Well, and a happy Friday to you. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Sorry, slightly delayed start. Something weird going on with uh, either YouTube or the software we use. We're not really sure. We're trying to get that figured out. There's so many weird things happening. Our phones have multiple phone numbers. I think that there is... You know who I think is responsible for it? We had a new intern show up today. And all of a sudden, things got really weird. So if this continues, Micah, you will not be invited back. I'm sorry. It's just the way that it goes. You'll there, have to find a different internship. There, There is another potential answer to oh? what happened. Oh. Did I ever tell you about the time that I went to fix one word on an article of mine on our website? Yes. I took, I took our entire website down. Well, now, how did that It was happen? about 10 years ago. How, did, yeah. how would you go about taking the entire website down? You think I would... You think I would know Yikes. how I did it? Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That's the voice, of course, Stan the Fan Charles, <clears throat> Pressbox's Chief Grand Poobah, who hangs out with us now on Fridays here on GCR. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, and glad it's a thing. Yes. Yeah. Glad to have you. Hey, I was given four tickets to the Maryland State Fair from our friends at the U.S. Army, and I want to give them to you. But the deal to, is, to me? well, if you'd like to go, if you'd like to go, I'll give them to anybody who would like to go. You got to come get them today here in Towson. That's the way it works. It's the only chance, the only way I can get them to you is if you want to go to the fair this weekend for free, four tickets, you got to stop by in Towson today to come pick them up. So message me at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or hit me up uh, Glenn at, Pre- uh, at gmail.com and just say, hey, I'd like them and I can swing by and they will be yours. I'll tell you how it is that you can get them. Four free tickets to the Maryland State Fair from our friends at the U.S. Army. Thank you to them. Orioles win last night. They win another series. Stan, they have solved their offensive problems. They just don't ever give up runs anymore. It's a That's, it's a hell of a way to go about solving your offensive issues is to not need any offense. This uh, season is uh, taking uh, a new twist, of course, this week with the uh, you know elevation of Gunnar Henderson. And we got a we got a dose of Gunner's offense on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Last night, you saw the defense. We saw the defense. Two yep. absolutely brilliant plays. You know, it was funny. The one play where he unassistedly made the the fantastic play, mm-hmm. tags the bag and throws the first with that howitzer that mm-hmm. he has. And I go, wait a minute, he's he's playing third. You know, I. Had you forgotten my, that he was playing, he was playing short, short last short, night, right? Which made it less remarkable, but still quite remarkable. Um, yeah. I, remarkable nonetheless. Yeah. It, it certainly goes back to the question that we were asking a couple days ago, which is where should he be playing? And if the plan all along was for him to be a shortstop, do you have to say to Jorge Mateo, "Hey, Chief, you know, <laughs> you, you've done well. Don't get me wrong. Appreciate everything you've done, but." Uh, you see this? This is our shortstop. You can do what you would like to do. And I I don't have an easy answer to this question. I, I couldn't possibly tell you. Well, but. you know, the the Cleveland Indians signed Miles Straw, I think, to like a five-year, $25 million extension mm-hmm. like before this season. I, I need to say something to our producer yeah, real go quick. Ahead. Griffin, apparently it's a YouTube problem because it's right on Facebook. So we're just going to let it roll. We'll deal with it. For some reason, if you go to YouTube today to watch today's show – it tells you that you're watching yesterday's betting show. It's not yesterday's betting show. It's definitely this show. I promise. And on Facebook, all of the information is correct. 
There's something going on with YouTube today specifically that they want to make the show yesterday's betting show. Program. But I'm promising you, if you're watching the show on YouTube right now, you're it's watching definitely a live show us. on Friday, Correct. September 2nd. You want to hold up the newspaper or something? Make sure, everybody. <laughs> like, I promise you, it's the correct show, and this one is not Griffin's fault. All right? All right. A lot of other things I, might be. <laughs> this one is not Griffin's fault. Still have questions about the, the curly-haired kid. Yeah. Still have questions about the new he's, guy. He's suspect. Still he's don't suspect. know what's going on over there. Maybe if he's in cahoots with the Russians or something. I'm not sure. But not Griffin's fault. Sorry, Stan. I didn't that's, mean to interrupt That's okay. You. So the, getting back to you know what what is Jorge Mateo's position yes. and what is Gunnar Henderson's position, um, the Indians signed this non-hitter, and Kevin Brown mentioned last night during the broadcast that he may be like the lowest-ranked offensive player in the American mm-hmm. League, Miles Straw. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think we'd think Mateo is on that level of offense. Would he be somebody that could play outfield? I, but then can you put somebody in the outfield that if Jorge Mateo doesn't continue to project at the uptick offensively, right? can you afford to have an outfield position being handled by someone who's a zero as a bat? Well, I, he's uh, that. That's the question. Would right. he be a zero at that, the bat? Right. I don't think he's a zero at the bat any longer. I don't think he's quite what we thought over that thirty-five game mm-hmm. stretch that he has arrived because he sort of this week went the opposite way offensively. Mm-hmm. I'm just suggesting it is he is such a dynamic player when he's on base. And if he's getting on base at a regular time, he's a much more dynamic player than Austin Hayes I, I think for the short term, the yeah. question is, can he play second base? If if you're hell-bent on Gunnar Henderson right. being the shortstop. I, yeah, if it's you're, an interesting... If you're, if you're not, right? Yeah. If you're not hell-bent on Gunnar specifically playing, if you say, hey, what you saw at short, he can do those same things at third base. Yeah. We could have the best defensive infield and ba- the left side of the infield in baseball next season. With Jorge Mateo playing short, Gunnar Henderson playing third. But right. if you're hellbent, if the plan all along was Gunnar Henderson's our shortstop, then I think the next question to me is, can Jorge Mateo play second base? Look, and I'm a firm believer when, when the draft rolls around, you draft the best player available. Mm-hmm. But I think they drafted their eventual shortstop this well, year. Correct, Jackson, Jackson Holiday. Holiday. So to, to throw that in that Henderson was our shortstop all along – I think that went out the window when they well, drafted in, uh, Jackson again, Holiday. Unless internally they looked at Jackson Holiday and said, we think he might be more of a third baseman than he is a shortstop. Yeah. And I don't, again, all these are problems you don't have to solve today, of course, right. right? Like you can solve them as they come. But if you think right now your team is best suited with Gunnar Henderson at shortstop moving yeah. forward, then to me the next question is can Jorge Mateo play second? Because you don't have, I, I know we can talk about Jordan Westberg, and I do think Jordan Westberg is going to be here at some point, but I don't know that the plan is Jordan Westberg on opening day next year. Yeah. So if that's the case, then the next question is, can Jorge Mateo play second for a little while? Could Jorge Mateo, I guess, play third? I don't know. I'm not sure if I, it's, that's... I don't like yeah, him third. I don't think I like that I, I think he played outfield, the corner outfield position right. earlier just, in his career. I, I think the question becomes, I think those, you start talking about spots on the field where you need someone to be a bat. I think at shortstop and second base, you can get away with somebody not being a bat, but you can only have so many positions that are being handled by someone who isn't a bat. For example, if they had a second baseman that was a, a real bat, then I would say, okay, you could get away with having Jorge Mateo run around in the outfield because right. you're stealing productivity at a place where you don't normally get productivity on the field. I, I, the other, uh, again, the bigger part of this is what is Jorge Mateo as a bat? 
is he someone that can do a little bit? Could he could he help in a could he be a just a two forty to two fifty hitter with a better than three hundred on base percentage? Yeah. Then he's not a yeah. nothing. If he if he has a three twenty to three forty on base percentage, you've got he's got to play because he's going to be creating uh, havoc. Uh, I, I'll tell you the secondary thing this week in Cleveland that to me was fascinating was the moving down of Ryan Mountcastle mm-hmm. to seventh, then he batted fifth, then he went back to seventh, has been watching him. He is on notice now, both with Henderson coming up and the acquisition, although that's a real short-termer, and Jesus Aguilar. The, the club is just not going to put him out there every day batting fourth, swinging at lousy pitches. Uh, 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 it's and, quite apparent. And already... I'd say we got a little bonus from it. You know, that home run he hit yep. was an absolute monster shot Ho- last night off of Bieber. That, hopefully yeah. that continues. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk some Orioles later on this morning. Uh, ben, ben Verlander from Fox Sports will check in with us. Also this morning, we're going to talk uh, some Ravens with Bo Smolka from Press Box. He will be joining us every Friday throughout the season. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to preview Maryland season opener tomorrow against Buffalo. Anthony Heron from Big Ten Network, who is on the call, is going to join us as well. What's the spread on that game? Uh, Twenty-four and a half is the number for tomorrow's game, or at least it was. Buffalo's favorite. Yeah, I don't 24? think it's Buffalo. No, oh, okay. I think that Maryland is expected to win. Are that they one. the Bisons? They are the Bulls. The Very Bulls. close. The, the Bills Bulls. and the Bulls in Buffalo okay. is what they've got going okay. on. Stan, a question that I want to address today. I know you're, we're going to get to your, uh, your game time thing at some point this morning. Okay. But a question I want to address today, and I have uh, put it out there for our friends on uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter. I want we Griff, Griffin and I were playing around with this yesterday, and I realized I don't have a definitive answer, so I want to have some fun with it. Particularly after Kyle Bradish delivered another strong start last night. Within reason... I want to know what you want the Orioles starting rotation to look like in 2023. Again, within reason. You can't just put Jacob deGrom and Clayton Kershaw and Carlos Rodon. Like, within reason. So I can have one of those. Maybe one free agent. Again, I still think we're shooting a bit too... Look, everybody, as a city, I don't know when it happened, but within the last three weeks, everyone in this city started centering around Carlos Rodon, and I am definitely among them. I have yeah. said that name multiple times. My my, The realistic side of me thinks we are still aiming too high. That the He's, reason Carlos Rodon's not coming. The reason long. we were convincing ourselves that Carlos Rodon could be here is because he wasn't Jacob deGrom. We were like, well, he's not deGrom. Carlos Rodon is going to get $200 million. Yeah. Carlos Rodon is going to be one of the most desirable. I, trust me, I would love. In fact, I told Jim Bowden the other day that if the Orioles were to sign Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner, I'll walk to San Diego. And I mean that. I will walk to San Diego if that's the case. But I have, as excited as I am about the thought, I am less and less convinced that there is any amount of reality to it. So I'm. if he's in your list, I'm not telling you that. But there's, there can only be one. You've got to be reasonable about how you do this. No more than one free agent involved. What t- do you want to see the Orioles rotation look like 
in 2023. Does it include means means as one of the starters? I, I'm working under – I don't know why we wouldn't work under that. Well, but, I mean, opening day doesn't figure to be ready. You know, he he's like a mid-May to June 1st to me. Okay. So, I'm inclu- so at, the, at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. I'm not going to include John Means. I, I think that for the season total, we're expecting John Means to be a significant part of, of the 2023 okay, so I'll give you a six-man rotation. Okay. Grayson Rodriguez. Uh-huh. I think Jordan Lyles has kind of won a place in uh, – Now, remember, it's $11 million next year. And yeah. If they're going to consen- yeah. they're going to sign someone – Right. I did say this earlier this week. I wonder if they do both. I, I wonder think if Lyles they- for one year at 11 is, is a lot safer than counting on Watkins and Voth at this well, I, point in time. I hear you. Know? you. But uh, let, let's start with Grayson Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I'll say Lyles. Mm-hmm. I'll say Kramer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Voth at this point in time, okay. and then the free agent pitcher comes into account and means is number six. Okay, so you are leaving out Kyle Bradish, and you're leaving. Oh wait a minute! And Jeez, you're leaving I'm out. Gonna, wait a minute! I uh, no, I didn't want to Ty- leave out Tyler Kyle. Wells too, of course. I'm leaving him out. Okay, I'm le- as a starter. You think Tyler Wells should be in the bullpen next year? I think that uh, uh, look, how many positions do they have? I mean. If you have this is, Wells, this is why we're having the conversation, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I think, and I've again, I, I don't know if I said it on this show two weeks ago. I had projected that the the move was DL Hall in the bullpen next mm-hmm. year, and Kyle Bradish. I now would flip flop Bradish and Wells. I think Well Hall Bautista Wells is is an Hall Wells Bautista is perhaps one of the most dominant bullpens, you know, big three at the end of the game that I've seen in a long time. Maybe since, like, the Nasty Boys, you know, with uh, – what was his name? Uh, yeah, Norm Charlton and Rob Dibble. And, and Dibble and, and – yeah, Oh, and, God, I can't remember who the third guy was, yeah. but yes. I, I, I'm I in an interesting spot because I don't know that I agree about putting Wells in the bullpen. To well, start. if you I, got if you got Wells, where where's a place to go get the second banana? That not quite Carlos Rodon, right? But maybe the free agent, well, Kyle Gibson, that's with the Phillies now. So I, I guess what I, what I would ask this way is: Is Dean Kramer specifically more deserving of being in the rotation? Than a Tyler Wells or a Kyle Bradish. I think that uh, I think Kramer has really been pretty special. You know, the, the thing that I really like is when he's on, there doesn't seem to be any traffic on the base paths. You know, he's not walking four guys in six and two third inning. His walks are generally zero right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Bradish pitched another gem of a game now let's also keep in mind that is not the most talented offensive roster they've got from from Quan to Naylor well and then Jimenez they got five decent hitters there sure. that are tough uh but but there was still just enough traffic that made me a tiny bit uneasy with Bradish but boy he dusted it off very uh very well last night you know I I don't know I don't know how many starters you can have. So if you have Wells in there no, over this Bradish is, this or is the Kramer, reason why we're having yeah. the conversation, yeah. obviously, yeah. is because suddenly you're looking at it and you're saying, "Oh my!" <laughs> like there, there's 
there's really a lot there. Yeah. Like this is this is a bit odd. This yeah. is not the way that we expected yeah. things to go. Yeah. It's the reason well, why that Mike Elias is a pretty smart guy. At the, look, again, now we're also looking at small sample sizes with a couple of these guys, right? Like we maybe are overreacting too much to both Kramer and Bradish. And, vo- and, and both. And both. And 100% both. We're penciling It's interesting in. that neither one of us, though, has mentioned Watkins. I, I mean, I think we've seen. I, yeah. I think we've got our answer on Spencer. Look, I he has delivered some big starts this season. Spencer Watkins deserves credit. He has delivered some legitimate starts. I mean, would he be a guy to keep around next year as what Keegan Aiken? Oh, I think one hundred percent he would be in the Keegan. Yeah. The, the the issue is that Keegan Aiken's no longer really filling the Keegan Aiken role. For no, the right. That's why I'm point. looking for a replacement. Right, correct. For him so already. the question becomes. Are you suddenly looking and saying, yeah, but this guy could be your Keegan Aiken? Right. Now, what does that mean for Keegan Aiken? Unfortunately, probably. It, it means we, we keep our fingers crossed as ERA is under 3.5 at the end of the year. I, and he's, he's parceled in a trade. Some, someone's willing to take him on at that yeah. point. Yeah. Continue to get me yours. Um, again, I'm getting a lot of Carlos Rodon so far. And I, I get it. Trust me. I am enamored. I, I promise you this. Next Friday, I will. I will have five names that are interesting. The ones that come to my mind right now are Kyle Gibson, but I don't know his contract status mm-hmm. with the Phillies. Uh, but he would be somebody who would sign like a two-year, $25 million contract mm-hmm. or 27 five. Uh, and And Andrew Heaney of the Dodgers this year, uh, I think he's pitching again much. I'd love to see what – what uh, Chris Holt could do with Andrew Heaney because Andrew Heaney's strikeout numbers are so outrageously good, but then he can just as easily give up three home runs in an inning. Uh, But he hasn't really this year. I mean, his ERA for a good chunk of the season, he was injured. I think the knock is that he doesn't go too deep into games. I mean, he'll throw, he'll pitch like four innings, he'll get 10 strikeouts, but he'll only go like four innings. So Uh, that's, that wasn't as true of him back when he was pitching well for the Angels about three, four years ago. But he's an interesting guy to me. Couple, a couple of people pointed out that you need to, you need to have more than five starters because almost certainly Grayson's going to be on an innings limit next season, right? And potentially, you know, when you consider the means issue as well. That you really do need to have more like a six-man rotation for next season. Now, look, some teams, yeah, the Astros, for example, have been using a six-man rotation. And, and this I would year. think that Means would be part of a six-man. You know, when he comes, you want to kind of limit his innings mm-hmm. year one, and he's never really built up to be in the hundred and eighty inning guy anyway. But would we agree next year if he, we got ninety to one hundred and ten innings out of John Means, that would be pretty good? I, I think that you would say that's yeah. I'm trying. I, I got to think about that a little bit more. With that, yes, I yeah. think that that would be about what would be reasonable to assume, right. particularly if you think this is going to be a playoff team next year, and you're going to need these arms for the postseason. Right. You need to prioritize. Hey, we need to make sure we keep yeah. these arms fresh. Well, I'm. I'm I a, might assign you to write a column about the rotation next year. I know I'm not your uh, next, editor next year. Or no, no, next, no, like in the next week or so. Yeah, like I'm, to, I'm happy to, to do to that. tackle. Because this really has become... It is a conundrum. It's, it's like a conundrum. It's incredibly fascinating to me. All of a sudden... Griffin and I literally out of nowhere just sat down this week and started listing like, oh my God, look at how many pitchers we're talking about as viable parts of the rotation for next year. And Austin Voth, like we can laugh about it, but he's pitched well enough... He's pitched fantastic. ...that he just certainly deserves to be in the conversation, although he's... 
He's done something that very few pitchers in the American League have ever done. You know what that is? Mm. He's pitched beyond being a member of my fantasy baseball team. Oh, my team. God. I picked him up about four weeks ago. About three. That's more three, impressive than winning a Cy Young Award. It's, it almost, is. It almost <laughs> is. About three and a half weeks ago, I said, this guy Voth is, I wonder who has him. And I said, he's sitting here. I picked him up for a dollar. He's given me like about 28 innings of brilliant baseball. I mean, he's yeah. been he's been unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. Of course, um, of course, Mitch White did not do as well. Well, you know, you can't win them all, Stan. <laughs> you can't. The, the fact that you got one is a miracle. So settle down. What are you asking for? Um, what's interesting to me, two not quite two months ago, you were um, a bit ahead of the curve with folks as far as DL Hall be working out of the bullpen. The interesting part to me is how many more even Orioles fans are coming around to the idea that that's the more appropriate role for D.L. Hall, almost to the point where I'm outwardly asking the question. I have always said, even if that's where D.L. Hall is better suited, my belief is that the Orioles will say he's too valuable an asset. We have to give him a shot in the rotation. Is there a point at which the Orioles say nah we know what he is he's going to work out of the bullpen even if he doesn't like that I think that that's what's going to happen with D.L. Hall and I think that uh, Mike Elias I, I you know I don't talk to Mike that much mm-hmm. unless I get a question at one of his pressers and they're always you know in this day and age Glenn in the old days you used to get like an email that there was a press conference that the general manager was going to have, and then they would call you right. to make sure you knew. Right. Now it's on Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter all the time where I'm looking for an announcement. Right, so you're I normally making memes. So, and, so yeah, I, right. don't get, I don't get a lot of notice that he's doing a presser, mm-hmm. uh, but that's where I know Mike, basically. I don't know him. But let me tell you something. He is two, I believe he is two steps ahead of the competition now. And I think they know that, okay. and and they brought him up to get his feet wet in and to in, say, in, they, say you've, like, you're in the majors now, baby. And then, and by the way, if he pitches well in this role for a month, it might be easier for him to stomach to say, "Well, I could." Remember Keegan Aiken? I guarantee Keegan right. Aiken goes, "Oh God, I'm a relief pitcher." Right. They asked him in May this year. Would you want to go back and no? Well, right, of course, because he realized, yes, yeah. th- I'm, this is working. This has me in the major leagues. And again, I think they, the conversation has to be: this is how you can help us. Right. This is your ticket to being here. And then I think they have the third third prong of this, Glenn, is they say, what in so many words, Arthur Rhodes. Fifteen I years ago, I made thirty-eight million dollars okay. in the major leagues. You'd probably make seventy to a hundred being a stud in the bullpen. So. Um, continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. What do you want to see the twenty twenty-three Orioles rotation look like? And you guys are starting to realize and what again, I realized. within reason. Within reason, within yes. Reason. And you're starting to realize. I'm starting to get those responses. Like, oh my god, that's that's why the question came up is because yeah. Griffin and I were really overwhelmed. By trying to solve this puzzle. This so week. Griffin is now really the engine that's driving this show Basically, now. yes. Yeah. All right, we're going to switch gears. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. That's where you're going to want to be tomorrow for a huge week one Saturday of college football. Games throughout the day. Betting pads are available. It's the best place to watch and bet on games. 
And one of those games you can watch and bet on will be Maryland Buffalo. And joining us now, before he's on the call in College Park tomorrow for the Terps opener, is Big Ten Network analyst Mr. Anthony Heron with us on GCR. Anthony, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, Glenn, I always appreciate coming on the show, man. I heard you guys sounding kind of, I guess, maybe a little bit frustrated about the O's. And mm-hmm. for me as a White Sox fan, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a frustrating time on the South Side. Well, I, you guys don't have a manager right it's, now, which is it, awkward. It's <laughs> sad to say the best thing that happened to them is Tony LaRusso being out indefinitely. Oh, oh. I hope nothing happens to him, but it was right. such a bad decision to bring him back. Uh, oof. Yeah. Oof. It was. It was. It had a lot of raised eyebrows and raised danders yeah. around the city. And you had this young, talented crew of guys who were really fun. And now it's like kind of, you know, it just hasn't worked. We won the division last year, and things just felt really flat this season. Nobody's been able to figure it out. And, hey, and, before and, and no one knows what's going on now. Before Glenn starts to grill you on the football game you're doing tomorrow, uh, we're not frustrated with the Orioles. We're projecting. It's actually it's, the, the it's best like problem this, we've ever yeah. had. We have too many pitchers. It's an abundance of riches. Like, you know. We've never seen this before yeah. in Baltimore. Yeah. We're like, what do you do about this? Maybe we this could trade so... one or two of them for Lucas Giolito we'll and take, we yeah. figure out. <laughs> we'll take it. Hey, um, I'm very, very envious. Speaking of questions we're not used to asking around here, Anthony, there's there's kind of a like a quiet bullishness about what Maryland football might be capable of doing this year. And I talk to really intelligent people, and I say, like, hey, can they back up, maybe get six wins again? And I'll have people tell me, look at the roster and look at what they're up against. You should be setting your sights higher than that. And I'm like, okay, ease up. This is still Maryland football that we're talking about. I'm not sure that I'm ready to do that. When you look at how much experience this roster has, how much they brought back, the talent, the the depth at wide receiver and at cornerback and, and obviously a, a high-level quarterback, what do you think this Maryland team is capable of doing this season? I think every year, Glenn, we, we see in Big Ten football, there's a team that kind of breaks through. There's a team that pops for double-digit wins. Back in 2019, it was Minnesota. In 2020, it was Indiana. Last season, it was Michigan State. And it, it seems to me that this year, that could be Maryland. Just that surprise team that maybe you've seen signs of, of what they've been building, but, but now there, there's just a true explosion of excellence. And you, you guys know better than I do. The main thing in certain seasons where it feels like the Terps have been you know, better than perhaps other years has been their ability to get that big upset win. You know, that, that went like last year, 7-0, and against teams with losing records, but 0-6 versus teams with winning records. And it just seems to me that this is the year, and especially in, in talking to Mike Loxley a few times throughout the offseason, and I'm actually going to go over to, to uh, the Jones Hill house in a bit and, and meet with Coach Lox and some of the other coaches here in a bit today in preparation for tomorrow. But he and Dan Enos sound extremely confident about the offensive line. And we've seen quarterbacks at Maryland before. We've seen receivers, certainly at Maryland, plenty. The playmakers have been there on the outside. But the line of scrimmage is where they feel different. They've got guys up front, not just with the experience of playing together, but they just feel like they're physically more formidable on the line of scrimmage and deeper. And so when you're deep enough to have competitive practices, as it sounds like they have, when you're deep enough – to, to roll bodies out there and, and to go live in scrimmages and to, to get that callus built up, 
then it should put them in a position for a strong start and to withstand some guys being banged up at times if it comes down to it. Anthony Heron from the Big Ten Network is with us here on GCR. He's going to be on the call for Maryland-Buffalo tomorrow. Anthony, what you point out um, about their, their record against teams with winning records last year, it's not just their, their six games they lost. They lost them by an average of about 30 points. Um, yeah. They got demolished in those games a year ago. What is the difference in, in, in closing that gap against – look, I – Ohio State looks like a monster this season. We can talk about them in a second. I mean, they just look overwhelming how much talent they have. But but some of these other games, or at least showing competitiveness, something that says, hey, it's not simply here are the haves and here are the have-nots. We're a little bit closer to the middle ground. How do they close that gap? I think a lot of it comes down to a, a couple of areas. One, the execution on third down, where, where a quarterback, as gifted as Talia Tonga-Vailoa is, and I, I just tweeted out actually a little while ago just how excited I am to watch him in person. I call the All-American Bowl every year for NBC. Tua played in it. Talia was scheduled to play in it, but he got banged up. So I haven't actually gotten to see Talia in person before tomorrow. So I'm so excited about that just because I, I think his physical gifts are off the charts. His feel and touch as a passer is exceptional. But then in addition to that, I'm just wondering, how does that maturation show itself on the field? And third downs is an area that I'm going to have my eye on when they get to third down, whether it's third and medium, third and long. Is he decisive? Is he accurate? Is he as locked in as the best quarterbacks are to keep drives alive on third down? Is he decisive even as a runner, if not as a passer? Once he gets through those first couple of reads, is he willing to decisively tuck it and just move the sticks, then you can do your baseball slide and keep things going. There's areas of his game that can be refined, and I think that matters for him. But beyond that, more macro, just with the team at large, what, what, what can Maryland be from a, from a discipline perspective? Yeah. They've been one of the most penalized teams yep. in the Big Ten, up front on the offensive line and everywhere else, and you really have to grow there when you're going to go on the road like they're going to have to go on the road and compete at Michigan. And when you have big, just the Big Ten East at large, I view it as the deepest division in college football. So if you're going to break through, you can't have all these self-inflicted wounds. Anthony, I was going to ask you about the other side of the football and getting off the field on third down. Uh, how That's been a huge problem is, is the other team's ability to convert on third down. Does this team have the defen- defensive depth and 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 athleticism to get off the field. They seem to believe they do. And I'm looking forward to talking to Brian Williams about that a bit today because late in the season last year, when he took over as the primary defensive play caller, they did have two of their best defensive efforts yep. of the season against Rutgers, against Virginia Tech. Now, those are both, again, teams with losing records, but the defense did what you expect to do against an opponent like that. They were able to control the game. They were able to get off the field. That matters so much. I really like their secondary. I think guys like Ja'Cory Bennett, mm-hmm. Tarheep Still, Deontay Banks, they've got playmakers back there who, who I believe can hold up in coverage. Can you get after the quarterback effectively up front? When the opportunity is there to get takeaways, can you take advantage of those, catch the football as opposed to just getting a pass deflection? Can you get that takeaway for your defense? Rushing the quarterback creating takeaways. Those are two key areas, I think, for Maryland where, you know, maybe at linebacker and perhaps on the interior of the defensive line, they're not going to be as stout 
as, as some of the other, you know, my, my alma mater, Iowa, or you mentioned Ohio State. They're not going to be amongst the best in the front seven in the Big Ten, but can they be stout enough to help control, contain the run, put themselves in some third-down scenarios where maybe you can heat up the pocket with some additional blitz pressure, and when the opportunity there for a takeaway, the deflection's cool and all, but can you get that extra possession for your offense? You have to be opportunistic on defense. Uh, Anthony, I know I've asked you this question before, but the traje- what they're up against, right? And, and, and both Stan and I are, are big believers in Mike Loxley and, and, and absolutely think he's the right man for the job and he's done you know, a- as well as you could possibly ask someone entering in this situation. But the secondary question to that is, but is it possible to do what it is that we're asking? <laughs> like it, is, is it possible? I know we're talking about closing the gap. Is, is there some amount of reality to, hey, there's a limit to what you can ask for Maryland football because ultimately this is Maryland football that we're talking about, and you have to grade it in a different way than you would grade someone who's coaching at Penn State or at Michigan or somewhere like that. Like, it can't, can he really do a lot more than what he's done to this point, or is just being kind of competitive really all you can ask for when in terms of Maryland football? It's a fair question. That, that I believe Damon Evans, the athletic director, Mike Loxley, that they want to pour everything they can into finding an adequate answer for it. You know, like you, you look at Michigan State and what Mel Tucker was able to do last season in, in year two, which in some ways was kind of a, just a, a year one because, he, you know, the season he took the program over was during COVID. So Mel Tucker didn't even meet his team really the previous season until they were allowed to put some pads on and, and play a conference-only slate. Mike Loxley, of course, is from here and is very passionate about this area and the DMV, and he had been with the program before. But you think of the, the Jordan McNair tragedy where he takes the program over on the heels of that. It was a very delicate time in the athletic department. So you had that in 2019, you had COVID in 2020, and now he's really getting an opportunity to kind of fully put all, all of the, the resources that can be made available to him and, and you know just have the program in a healthier place to try and build everything infrastructurally. So I, I think whatever Maryland football can be, I definitely think there's leadership in place who are making every attempt to pursue that. Mm. You know, does it mean that you're at the Ohio State Michigan level on an annual basis? That that does seem like a kind of a far bridge for Maryland to get to year in and year out, but to get to the point where where maybe a bowl game is the basement and then every once in a while you have a season like I think they have the potential for this year where you've got your experienced quarterback you got a bunch of playmakers. you got some guys on the line of scrimmage who've played the game pretty extensively, and maybe this can be a year with a special result to it. So maybe it's not going to be a double-digit win on an annual basis, but you know, if, if you say the bowl game is the basement and then every once in a while we pop through and truly compete in the East Division and see if we can be a, a team that maybe wins the championship or as the Big Ten realigns, maybe the East Division isn't quite as dogged <laughs> as it seems at the moment then there are some things that could play out in the future where I just think the, the paradigm of the program is shifted while, yes, keeping some context on, on you know, the, the likelihood of them becoming Ohio State. It may take a while before they can get there. Anthony, that's a tremendously thoughtful answer. It really is. I wanted to ask you a question about what the future admission of USC and UCLA to the conference, does that automatically upgrade – the talent pool that Mike Loxley will will be fishing for because so many people are going to want to play in the Big Ten? 
I believe it does, Stan. And when you think about, you know, the time he spent at Alabama and he, he went out there and got Tua Tagovailoa out from Hawaii. And, of course, his younger brother, Talia, joins up with them as well. And yep. so, you know, to have that national recruiting footprint is not foreign to him. When he was out at New Mexico, he would recruit not only the West Coast, but, but you know, talent from the, the Midwest as well because he's been all over the country. And so I think to have competitors who are coming from the Pacific time zone, and for now, it's just the L.A. schools, USC and UCLA. We'll see where that goes as the conference moving forward here. But when you can tell your athletes or recruits that you are that national brand, there'll be an opportunity to play out West. There'll be an opportunity for their families to see them when they're playing out West. I, I think it honestly works both ways here where maybe the depth of quarterback recruit that mm-hmm. you pursue is now deeper because there's going to be resources to go get them anyway. Yep. You know, I mean, it's one thing where you know Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, maybe they're already recruiting nationally anyway, but Maryland, there's an influx of, of capital that come in, comes into the conference now where everyone can say, you know what, our coach is going to have a private jet to go recruit wherever he wants to. And we know Mike Loxley, he can, he can coach quarterbacks, he can coach receivers, he can recruit those positions. But now, maybe at depth of those spots that goes beyond where you were in the past, as long as you can continue to bolster that line of scrimmage, we, we should see, I think, you know, the Big Ten at large and for a program like Maryland, you know, sort of looking to enhance the depth of the conference in general, then there's certainly potential for that. Tomorrow at noon, Maryland and Buffalo, Big Ten Network. He will be on the call. You follow him on Twitter, at Big Ant Heron. And I'm pretty sure you will see him or hear him on basically every uh, satellite radio and television program <laughs> that you watch uh, for the rest of the year. Dude, you know, uh, we love you. We always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you so much for doing this. Looking forward to hearing you tomorrow on the call. All right. It's- Glenn, yeah, really appreciate you, man. Great stuff, and I'll talk to you soon again, too. Really enjoyed you. Anthony yep. Heron, Big Ten Network, uh, getting us ready for the start of Maryland football Excellent season. Excellent guest. Yes. He's yeah. a, he's, I, it, it, there's a reason why he is a, like, you know, not only does he do Big Ten Network, he also uh, does uh, Sirius XM College Radio, and he does uh, stuff for NBC, and he's he's very in demand in media and very busy man because he is clearly quite good at what it is that he does, and I appreciate him taking the time for us. We're going to cover a lot of ground, uh, so we previewed Maryland football. Obviously, it's a big weekend, the start of college football. This, Stan, legitimately my favorite sports weekend of the year. I have talked about this a lot. Um, the because start, of the Maryland Cycling Classic. The, uh, you know what? You, you, you laugh, but I think it's cool that we're adding another big yeah. event. I know um, uh, uh, my buddy T-Bone has checked in a couple times. He's frustrated he doesn't think the word's gotten out enough about this major event that's coming. We've been doing our best, Tom. Yeah. We've been trying to let people know about the Maryland Cycling Classic over the it last... It starts, the actual classic itself, forget all the ancillary right. events, starts in Sparks, Maryland. Yes. At 9.30 yes. on Sunday, Sunday, correct? yes. And then we'll come into Baltimore from there. Um, I, look, I am. I love it. I want it to be embraced. Uh, you, th- There is a limit to... And I'm trying to say this the right way. I can only put so many cyclists on the show. You've I, had a couple, haven't you? It's just not the depth. Of, yeah, no, but I it's not the depth of my knowledge. Right. It's not the. Um, but I love the event, and I want to embrace exactly the event. What exactly is the depth of your knowledge? Great question. We have been working <laughs> to figure that out. But this is my favorite sports week of the year because, no, as you know, a, tennis is, is my sport, right. and so it's been a joyous week. 
uh, so far. It's been incredible. Serena Mr. plays T- again. Mr. Tiafa won yes, last Yes, he did. Night. Yeah. Uh, he's got a big one now with Diego Schwartzman in round three, which will be tough. And, if and was, Schwartzman won by the, the Yeah, guy Schwartzman, Jack, uh, Jack Saka. He got lucky there. Now, yeah. he looked much better in the second round. And okay. Schwartzman is a grinder. Schwartzman's the type of player that like you can bank on five sets. Right. Like He's just a grinder that... You He's think Tiafo is, re- is ready to play a flawless... Tiafo has played really well yeah, he and good feels more comfortable than he did in past years. That This is a tough... Playing Schwartzman is a unique challenge. Yep. Because he's just not going to give you anything. Nothing will come easy. He's like the old uh, Harold Solomon, Michael Chang oh, type yeah. of player. Okay. The guys like that. just keep the ball alive. Just yeah. just grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds. Yeah. Um, uh, Serena, of course, plays uh, Alia Tanlanovic tonight. Uh, they've moved that to ESPN 7 o'clock. They're going to keep her in prime time. Uh, it was cool seeing Serena and Venus playing in prime time together last night. Unfortunately, they lost. But... Um, this is my this is my t- and then the start of college football season. Dude, Pitt West Virginia was great last night. Uh, Penn State Purdue was actually really good last night too. I love this weekend and it's fantasy draft weekend. Which, by the way, you apparently missed the fact that we were doing a fan the, the press box league's fantasy draft was last I, night. I was not invited. Oh, you were. You were. I, I, I never got. I, you take it up with Ken's Alice. Take it up with him. You better take it up with your boy. <laughs> Stan, I wasn't invited either, if it makes you feel better. Well, no, no, it doesn't. Stan, it doesn't. Stan, no, no. Ken doesn't know you yeah, that Michael well. Micah wasn't invited either. Uh, uh, Stan is in the league. He has a team. So it I was got, drafted I for got automatically drafted. You got auto-drafted last night. Well, I can try to check an, this. That's an enhancement <laughs> over yes, what I Yes, it might be done. an improvement. Also, Can you I, tell me who I have? Uh, you know what? I can. I'll give, you, give me one second. I'll tell you who's on my team. I also like to do the bit where I won't. I don't use this draft. My friend John Proctor is in this league as right. well, and he's in my important league, and right. I don't want him to know my strategies for the important league. So I do things in this league that I would not do in a in another league. So I try to throw him off the scent a little bit in that way. I'm trying to pull up your team right now. But it's my favorite sports weekend of the year. Yep. I love everything about this weekend is for me. So, of course, that figures that I have to work like three days this weekend, and I don't get to sit around and enjoy it quite as much. That's do I have Lamar as my quarterback? Uh, I gotta remember what what your team name is. I gotta remember which one of these guys is I'm you. The, um, uh, hang on, I'm you the, are you are. What do they call the tackling dummy? That's what the, I. Am. Oh, the sled. The, yeah, they, the, yeah, the sled. sled. Yes, Crowder, correct. Crowder. Uh, your team is Justin Herbert. Uh, I like him. Do like him. Running backs: uh, James Conner and Antonio Gibson. Ooh, okay, okay, it's That's okay. The Redskins and the, uh, the, the Cardinals. Cardinals right. Yeah, they call them the Commanders now. Yeah, com- St- yeah Stephon right. Diggs. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, Devontae Smith. That wide receiver Travis Kelsey, you went tight end early. Yeah, that's a it's a bold strategy going tight end as early yeah. as he did. Well, I thought about it a long time. Uh, correct, <laughs> and of course we don't have uh, we just play a bunch of flexes in this league. Clyde yeah. Edwards-Alaire, Tony Pollard, Pat Fryermuth, Daryl Henderson. Um, it's a so-so bunch. It's a so-so bunch. Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe okay. it. But you got a team. Got you got a team, team for this. The year. sled is. Uh, you had a busy week. Uh, is you, Luke in that league? Luke is in that league. He didn't even remind me. He I, says, I, I have, got the, he goes, I got my fantasy draft. He I didn't. have an excuse. I have an excuse. I was calling a Loyola soccer game last night. So so Ken did text me at 830. Hey, does Stan know what's going on? And I said, dude, I can't. Why I would can't. he text you and not me? It's a great question, Stan, that again, you will have to take up. With Ken Zalis. Ken Ken always, when he was making paychecks here at right. Box, <laughs> and now he that he's retired. Always, right. He always would say, hey, you haven't registered yeah, yet. Yeah, don't forget. You right. got to go get in I on this I never got any email from Ken, 
don't remember. I believe his communication was over Facebook. If I remember correctly, that was how his communication yeah. went. This, you take it up with he, Ken. You let take me it tell up you something. Him. Now I got a bone to pick yeah, with you're Ken fight KZ. Actually, I can't fight can we do that for charity? Can we yeah. arrange some sort of fist yeah. fight for charity? Yeah. Uh, you had a busy week, obviously. Uh, you were previewing Towson football the other night. Had Rob Ambrose on and uh, had a, a fascinating to hear the level of, of player movement. Towson University has 50-5-0 yes. new players this year. Yes. That's in, pretty amazing. Including two new quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and a I don't total be- of six in the running. I don't believe still that he has formally announced which quarterback will be his starting quarterback. Does that quarterback. mean he hasn't told them internally? It could mean that. It could mean he doesn't want Bucknell to know. Yeah. It could also mean that the competition is going to continue. We see, I believe, uh, uh, Penn State. There's somebody acknowledged Michigan. Michigan said they were going to do that. They were going to have two quarterbacks play for the first two weeks. Jim Harbaugh announced that. And then kind of go from there. Go from there. So it could mean a lot of things, but we don't know still. It does not mean that you have a year of eligibility and you're secretly going to play. It would be a terrible choice for Rob. It would be a terrible choice. You can find that show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Ravens still a week away from opening up the season against the Jets, but they have set their roster this week. Joining us now to talk a little bit more about that is our beat writer here at PressBox. He is a friend, Mr. Bo Smolka, who will be joining us Fridays throughout the season. Starting today, Bo, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good morning. Um, I'm going to start with, to me, what I think is the single biggest. I, everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson, the contract. I think for the Ravens, there's a far bigger, far more pressing issue. What's going on with Ronnie Stanley, and and how significant do you think that is to whatever the Ravens are capable of accomplishing? Well, I, I agree with you. I think it is the bigger, it's clearly the bigger pressing issue because they have Lamar Jackson this season. They know that. Um, and down the road is down the road. I think the Ronnie Stanley thing is very significant, and they have to be concerned. I, you know, he's he's he cleared he passed his physical a week ago, and then did not practice all week until I guess I wasn't there the last day they had practice, which was I believe Wednesday. And John Harbaugh said he was out there briefly doing individual, um, but and that that would be his first activity in a year. It's clear he's not close to being game ready and they play a game in 10 days, uh, nine days. So I think there's no question he's not going to play that week. I think it's fair to wonder whether he'll even play in week two or even week three. So at what point does he get on the field? We don't know yet. And until he gets on the field, I think it is a significant question. And I think it is, I agree. I think it's, it's of everything else with, how does J.K. Dobbins look? How does Marcus Peters look? How, do they have edge rushers? All the questions this team has, and they have a lot. I think that Ronnie Stanley question is number one. I mean, I, is your assumption that if he doesn't play, it's just Jawan James and it's as simple as that? Or, my word, they kept quite a few offensive linemen on the roster, Bo. Do you think there could still be some shuffling, moving around, trying to figure it out? It, I think it would be Jawan James only because he's gotten the, the bulk of the work at that position this offseason. And the, someone else that got some of the work was Tyree Phillips, who just got cut. Right. Yeah. Um, so there aren't a lot of other options right now. Patrick McCary, I guess, becomes an option. He played a little bit at left tackle in the last preseason game. 
But that's really all we saw of him at left tackle all summer. Remember, he basically was playing center most of the summer while Tyler Linderbaum was hurt. And so he hardly saw any time at left tackle. They used David Sharp at left tackle, who's back on the practice squad. They used uh, Jared Jones-Smith, who got cut. They used Tyree Phillips, but they primarily used Jawan James, and it was Jawan James was still out there in the last preseason game as well, getting reps. And this is a guy who admitted to us early this summer that he hadn't played left tackle since high school. And so it's a learning curve for him, but I don't know that they have a lot of other options right now. And so um, I just think if Stanley can't play in week one, and I think Stanley, Stan, can't, Stanley won't be there in week one, I do think we'll see Juwan James starting. Bo, uh, I've got a question about this, this, this the, the format of the schedule this year, the, this time period right now. Is this something the league wanted to newly create, this end of preseason games, and then give teams eight to ten days to be ready for their first game? I don't know of a conscious decision that was made. Um I'd have to go back, and I'm trying to think back to a few years back when there used to be four preseason games. I feel like there was a time there was a two-week break before the start of the season, um, but I honestly would have to go back and look at that. I mean, I think it makes sense. Yeah, it does now, to it's me. it's interesting uh, that this falls over Labor Day weekend, and John Harbaugh has given the guys a long weekend off. They'll come back Monday, and they will be, they'll be in total game one mode. Everything will feel different. It will feel like game week. There will be fewer people in the building mm-hmm. because some guys have been cut. Now, granted, they brought back 16 to the practice squad, so it won't be that much smaller in terms of numbers, but there will be a few people not there anymore, and there will just be a vibe of game week, and they'll get back into that Monday-to-Sunday rhythm that they always are in it for 16 or now 17 straight weeks, not counting the bye week. So, um, I think it's good in the sense that, you know, the guys can rest up. They can kind of recharge this weekend. Training camp is a grind. It always is. Even for the vets who take a vet, occasional vet day off, it's a grind. It and also, so this it, way they do get – go ahead. Now it also seems like it's, a, it's a, a good way to have a little buffer time when you bring new people in, new personnel, to give them a week to get ready, you know – to, to learn their it's offensive true. game or defensive game that they need. Yeah, and, you know, they've got um, – I mean, they've got – this roster is constantly changing. As we see, they've already got two or three additions since the 53-man roster was set, and that's going to continue. I think they'll, they'll have to be more roster moves, especially at outside linebacker. But, um, you know, it's, it, but I, it will be interesting to see. Next week, the focus will really – hone in on week one and John Harbaugh said last week look they and I believe this too coaches said look they've been they've been game planning for the Jets for a month and the next two three opponents they've already started to work on those games but next week it really locks in completely on that press box Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka with us here on GCR but what did you make of the addition of Kenyon Drake is it simply another insurance policy does it make you wonder about where J.K. Dobbins is to start the season I I, I, to me, it was. I, I get this team's going to run the ball, but I don't think it can possibly be good news about what they feel like they have at that position if they're picking from the scrap heap. I think it is a kind of a admission that the running back room isn't quite what they had hoped it would be right now for whatever reason, whether it's performance or whether it's health. 
Uh, I think they had hoped that the running back room would be a little more solidified than to be trying out running backs one day before the 53-man roster gets set. But they know Gus Edwards is out for a month, and J.K. Dobbins has come back to practice. To my eye, J.K. Dobbins still doesn't quite look like he's there yet, and, and I know he's going to fight tooth and nail to say he can play as much as he can play, but I think his role will be limited early. I just, think, I just don't know what he's got in terms of the cut and the burst and all of that that makes his game so good. I will say, now that they've gone into regular season mode, we don't really get to see a lot of them practicing, but in the practices we were allowed to watch up until mid-August, he hadn't taken part in any full team activity. Now we will see individual drills this time. At this time of year, we're allowed to watch a little bit of individual drills. He moves well. He's moving better and better, I would say. But they're not bringing Kenyon Drake in if they're happy with what the running game looks like at that point. And they're not cutting Tyler Beatty if they're happy with what they got out of him. So I don't think they have what they had hoped at the running back room right now. Drake being available, he, he, he adds something. But obviously, they were hoping they were hoping that they'd have Gus Edwards back and J.K. Dobbins back, and with Lamar Jackson, they, this running game would be what they had kind of anticipated it would be last year before both those guys got hurt. So I think it is very much still a work in progress. We know Edwards is out a month, and I expect Dobbins will be limited in terms of snaps or roll or whatever for at least the first few games as he eases back toward 100 percent because I don't think he's there yet I'm, I'm not sure he's even close to there yet what did you see with batty tyler batty well early you know in in the early part of otas i was impressed with yeah. him he would make catches out of the backfield and i saw a lot of bursts yes and i saw him like win the edge on a look like he'd catch a little flare pass and win the edge and get to the corner and i saw a lot of bursts but then when the as training camp wore on and as the training camp games happened it, it, it didn't seem to be there um, the way it had early in the summer. And now, again, you're going, maybe you're going against some better players. Maybe it was just a case that the game got faster and, and it caught up to him. Uh, there are other issues there. But he didn't show me the burst later in the summer that I saw from him in the spring. Now, he's back on the practice squad so they can continue to develop him. But that, to, to me... The burst with him early in the spring was noticeable, and then I didn't see it as much over the summer. Bo, you mentioned the outside linebacker, and I know you've talked a lot about uh, edge rush, you and I, over the course of the offseason. Uh, there's still a not a lot there, and there's even less than maybe some people had hoped would be there because maybe they had hoped that Tyus Bowser could get back quickly or – you know, whatever it was going to be, Dalen Hayes not even in the mix. Um, it's interesting they already made moves this week, and none of it involved adding another outside linebacker. Some people are starting to wonder aloud again, is Malik Harrison part of the solution? Does he slip to the outside? What do you make of the utter lack of depth that they have there and the fact that here we are so far a few days in and they still haven't added anything from the outside? I think it's a very legitimate concern. And I, as I wrote earlier this week after that last game against Washington, to me, outside linebacker was the biggest concern in February, and it's the biggest concern in September. And so that is somewhat of an issue. Yeah, they had hoped Tyus Bowser would be back. Now, remember, he tore his Achilles in the last game of the season in early January. And at the time, last spring, John Harbaugh was optimistic he'd be back for week one in. 
But then every in the course of the last month or so, whenever we would ask him or even Bowser, we talked to Bowser was at the, his locker after the first preseason game, and he was kind of vague about when he'd be back. He kept saying something like, "Well, I'll be back when I'm ready," um, and it didn't. Nothing sounded like it was imminent. And so now, of course, they've put him on the pup, so he's out for four games. They had a couple other possibilities there. Trent Harris got hurt and is on injured reserve. Vince Beagle was probably going to be a factor, got hurt for his Achilles in early August, so he's out. They, of course, had the tragedy with Jalen Ferguson, who died this summer. Then you've got Dalen Hayes, who a second-year guy out of Notre Dame, who, again, another one that I thought looked pretty good in OTAs. Now, that was at a time when Adafi Owe wasn't doing a whole lot as he uh, worked back from a shoulder injury. Hayes looked pretty good in the spring, but in the summer, he just failed to take advantage of chances. I mean, there was not a lot of edge rush there. He could have really made an impact, and he didn't. Then he got hurt again, and so he was waived with an injury designation. And so what are they left with? They have basically Adafi Owe, Justin Houston, who's 33 years old and isn't going to be an every-down guy, and David Ajaba, who just went to IR. That was, the, that was the extent of the outside linebacker group when they set the 53-man roster. That's obviously untenable. You basically have two players at outside linebacker. Excuse me. Steven Means, veteran guy, role player, probably not going to be a big impact pass rusher, but they brought him back to the practice squad, and I think he'll be on the field and in uniform next Sunday because he's played, and and they don't have a lot of other options. I do think they will continue to look at Malik Harrison more as an outside linebacker. It was interesting because, of course, they drafted him on the inside, Last year, he bounced around a little inside, little outside, little inside, little outside. And then they kept five inside linebackers this year. They kept both Christian Wells and the undrafted rookie Josh Ross. So they kept five inside linebackers, including Harrison. But I, I think now, given the numbers, they'll end up using Harrison more on the outside. Now, John Harbaugh was asked about this outside linebacker group the other day, and he made a point of, well, we show, we show different things. Sometimes Calais Campbell will even line up outside, whatever. In the end, they're just not that – they just don't have a lot of numbers. And that they know it. We can argue why they didn't make another move to sign someone. They had Jason Pierre-Paul and a couple others in for tryouts back in, in the summer. Nothing was done then. So they obviously saw something that led them to not make a move then. Uh, and so this, this, is, this is who they are a week before the season. I still think there will be an outside linebacker signed by this team. I can't see who it will be, but I just don't see – this team being able to continue uh, over the course of the season with the group they have now. I will say Adafi Owe has been basically unblockable this summer. Mm. Uh, There was no offensive line. Now, again, Stanley wasn't there much, and Morgan Moses sometimes sat out for vet reasons or whatever. But Adafi Owe dominated the Ravens' offensive linemen for most of training camp. So I'm really interested to see what he looks like this fall against top-level offensive tackles because – I think he's in, 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 in the mix. He's in for a potentially huge year. Hey, Bo, in addition to being our Ravens beat writer, every once in a while we give you the assignment of doing a cover story. Uh, our cover story for August, which will be on the stands until we come out with the new uh, pub in uh, October, is Larger Than Life. Uh, the story of Mark Andrews. Uh, what did you learn? First of all, you did a terrific, terrific job on it, and I urge everyone either to pick up the hard copy paper or go to pressboxonline.com, and you'll find it there. 
What did you learn about Mark Andrews uh, through this story, the process of this story? Well, yeah, I knew I knew he'd been a type one diabetic, and so I think that's a neat part of his story yep. for the really for his entire life. Uh, so I, I already knew that, but it was interesting to to talk to his mother about kind of the concerns they had from really all through his childhood, through high school, into college. Um, you know, you're a mom and you send your son away to college. That's a big thing no matter what. Yeah. Now you send a type 1 diabetic away, and then his roommate calls you from a thousand miles away and right. says Mark is unconscious on his bed. Um, it's a scary thing. So his family is really well grounded. I talked to his mom a long time. I talked to his brother a long time. He's a doctor in Houston. It's a highly, highly successful family. Um, and as, as his high school coach said, which I put in the story, man, if you're, if you're going to be in the Andrews family, you better show up because <laughs> they're all successful. And it was a great line. But, the, you know, the other interesting thing was, and, and I led the story with this, was he was a really, really good basketball player mm-hmm. and a good soccer player. Actually, obviously a very athletic kid. Yeah. But he was a really good basketball player, and he was giving a lot of time and attention to basketball. And one of his high school coaches ended up saying, look, you're, you're a six-foot-five guy. I mean, there's a lot of six-foot-five basketball players. There's not a lot of six-foot-five receivers, which he was a wide receiver at the time. He said, I'm not saying stop basketball, but you might want to start thinking about focusing on football and so that really that fall was the first time he really really focused on football and he ended up setting like a bunch of arizona records in football and and then next thing you know he's got bob stoops and all the top coaches you know nick saban tried to steal him away from oklahoma on national signing day wow but i learned also that the andrews family is deeply entrenched at oklahoma which i also didn't know because the grandfather had gone there um the dad was a big Oklahoma fan, and, and Andrew, Mark Andrews' brother said to me, yeah, well, if Oklahoma ever lost, dad was always grumpy because grandpa was grumpy. <laughs> so they all cheered for Oklahoma. And then, when, and then Jack Andrews, the one who's a doctor in Houston, was actually at Oklahoma Medical School while Mark was being recruited. So then, of course, he ends up going to Oklahoma. So the family's got huge ties to Oklahoma. Um, <clears throat> but, it, um, it, you know, it's a highly, highly successful family. And I think Mark Andrews locking in on football, you know, everybody says once he decided to go with football, he, he was going to be success because basically is success in anything he does. And I give him a lot of credit for, you know, and the family for navigating his whole type one diabetes thing through it all. That, this isn't really a question. I'll turn you back over to Glenn to close it out. But the, the part of the story was really fascinating with how they mapped out who was going to be his roommate. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thought that went into this was just, it was really uh, harrowing and riveting, and uh, you did a great job on it. Uh, Glenn, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, Bo, I think that'll be that for this week. We will get ready for uh, the Jets, obviously, when we talk next Friday at Smolka on Twitter. Pressboxonline.com is where you see his stuff. And again, get out and pick up the print issue of Pressbox right now with Mark Andrews on the cover. Great story from Bo. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, thank you. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, joining us here on GCR. All right, we need to get to a break because we are incredibly late doing that. Uh, still to come this morning, we're going to talk with Ben Verlander from Fox Sports. He will check in with us. Stan the Fan is here. Stan wants to talk about game times and when the Orioles should be playing their games. We'll do that next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Hey, Birdland, arrive early at the yard on Saturday, September 3rd, when the first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive the first ever Orioles soccer jersey presented by Pepsi. Don't miss out on this brand new crossover kit before the Orioles clash with the Oakland A's at 7.05 at the ballpark that forever changed baseball. What better way to celebrate Labor Day weekend than with your favorite home team on a Saturday night? Great seating options are available, and tickets start as low as $15 at orioles.com slash tickets. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2020 The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at pressboxonline.com. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me, right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles is here. We were just talking with Bo about the Ravens, the outside linebacker spot. While Tyus Bowser won't be on the field for the first couple of weeks of the season, he will be with us on Tuesday night at Guilford Hall Brewery. Looking forward to seeing you for the first Tyus Bowser show of the season. You want to come out this year, meet your favorite Baltimore football players. Tyus and his special guests will be with us basically every other Tuesday night throughout the course of the year. 
Again, the first one is this coming Tuesday, 7 o'clock, Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. We will see you there. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great 8's memorabilia. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and by the all-new Ginsu Grill. There is no catch. I think people listen to this and they're like, okay, but like what? You got to pay $100 for an autograph? No. No. Just come out, enjoy the evening, get some great food, have a beverage while you're hanging out at Guilford Hall Brewery. Watch the show, and during the commercial break, we'll allow people to the opportunity to line up, come up and say hello. One free autograph per person. You can get your picture taken with Tyus and a special guest. And if at some point during the year the crowds start getting a lot of control, then we might ask for a, um, you know, a, a charitable donation or something like that. But until you hear us say that, there is no catch. There is no catch. Just come out on Tuesday night. For your opportunity to meet uh, your favorite Baltimore football players, Tyus Bowser show back this year. Find out more, pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. Is there any chance that if you do go to a charitable donation, it could be made out to Grand Poobah? Yeah, no, that would not be the the first charity that we would choose, Dan. There would be other charities that would be higher on the list. I mean, it's a very worthwhile charity. I'm not saying that you wouldn't do wonderful things with that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we will probably choose otherwise. I'm just saying that will probably be higher on the list. Uh, You think that 6 o'clock is a good time to start a baseball game. You know, it's interesting. I actually like, for for me, I like having the time to, you know, do do what I got to do, helping to run press box and and be on top of all the things I have to be on. So it works fine for me at 7.05. But it's come to my attention from the time of the Freddie Gray riots through, through the COVID pandemic and, uh, and um, you know, it just Monday through Thursday uh, and the rebuild. So, you know, in mm-hmm. other words, there was not the interest mm-hmm. three years ago in this team. Uh, it's picking up, it's building up steam, but yet I think this Tuesday night, Wednesday, there'll be like yeah, thirteen, fourteen thousand yes. people tops. Yeah. Correct. That's with you know, and a lot of times we're getting the eighteen or twenties when the Yankees or Boston are in town on the on the weekday games, but mm-hmm. mid week weeknight games, Monday through Thursday. The Cleveland Indians I think they play just about all of their night games Monday through Thursday starting at 6.10. So I was observing, and I'm not saying the crowds were great in Cleveland, but I just observed that the games were at 6.10, and they were kind of over at like 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm wondering if people would enjoy having that end of the day to have a little bit more time than rushing to get to a ball game and then the game's over at eleven o'clock, and it's a, you know, it's a slog. I uh, wondered if six uh, ten or some compromise would be interesting, and I tweeted it out last night, and I got a response of around three hundred people liked it, and then there were probably another fifty that m- made responses, and I'd say that it was a, a majority of people, a serious majority, maybe like eighty eighty five percent liked it at 610 or felt maybe a compromise 630 640 
uh, would be the the right time. Look, so I, you know, I, I've said a million times, six forty is the time. Six forty. I did no. this experience from my time in Arizona yep. when I worked out there. Yeah, the Diamondbacks started their games at six forty, and it was perfect. Yeah. Um, there's a few different factors here. I want to ask our young people because this is interesting to me. What what you're a young Griffin? I'll start with you. You're a young person. To you, the ideal time. How if old you're, is he? He's not a young person. He's a very young person. I'm, really? I'm 22, Stan. Yeah. Oh, he's God. a very I young you were person. 47. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. uh, Griffin, the the time for you, if you're going to go to a baseball game on a Tuesday night, yep. The most ideal time for you would be probably I would think I think closer to seven for me. Okay. I. I it might be different. Like if I lived in the city, it would probably be different. But mm-hmm. I think being you know outside, like in now the Griffin county, lives out, and, and he lives even further out. Yeah, he I lives even out further. Out. So let me just ask one other question. So it gives are me you, more time to get down there. Is I, what got, I, like. I get that. Yeah. But are you currently going to games? Yes, I've gone to I think like six this year. Okay, five or six, and you would and probably go to less if um, they started at six forty. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that would uh, influence me to go to less games um but like it might be I, like a lot of the time you know as a young person i guess is what mm-hmm. what you're trying to say is if like maybe middle of the day i'm like oh shoot there's an Orioles games Orioles game tonight um I, let's go and then you know having i guess an extra you have responsibilities hour. you yes, have things that yeah, you've yeah. got to do during the day mm-hmm. I, I think there's two factors just pa- pass it over bring a bring a young micah over here um I might, I might go Mike of the Mike. Mike of the Mike, a hundred percent. That might be. We always like to give new interns nicknames. Yeah, by the Mike way, of the Mike. Mike of the Mike might not be bad. I was want so Micah. His last name is Ernest. He has no idea. He's ne- there's no chance he's ever seen an Ernest film. There's no chance. But I kind of like Ernest Ern- goes. To Ernest goes to work. Station. Was kind of what I like. Yeah. Like that. We might. Be, I'm playing around with some different ideas. There's not an obvious one for Micah. Uh, Mike is a, a young person who's with us from Stevenson, where he plays volleyball. He's going to be interning with this semester. Mike, are are you someone that, that do you go to baseball games? Um, I think I haven't for a couple years, but I think I would like to. Like now, while I'm at school and so much closer with the metro and everything, it makes it like way easier. Ideal time for you for a baseball game to start, young person. Um, I feel like kind of the same wave as Griffin. Like I think a lot of times going to games as a young person, everyone will be like, "Oh, there's a game to." M- tonight like you want to grab tickets or like they have like student deal nights and stuff like that so i so, think so buying in a little bit more time to make plans yeah because a lot of times like you said it can be that midday decision just figuring it out like as you go through your day 100 percent. the other thing too that i think that jumps out so this is fascinating to me micah first of all it's good to have you we look forward Thank to getting you. to know you more Thank in the coming you. weeks um, the other thing that's interesting to me, Stan, is for young people, it feels like much of the, and I remember being this age, that you want to go before the game and spend some time at yeah. uh, Sliders or a Pickles or whatever it is. Or in that, Utah Street at Booth's Right, or that's something. part of the experience that for older people kind of becomes less significant but I don't want you to start the game at 6 o'clock because I'd like to be able to go out beforehand, get a couple of beers before I have to pay $16 for a beer inside the stadium. I want to do all those types of things, and so I would prefer for there not to be a 6 o'clock start to a baseball game. I, I think it's what I came away with this little experiment, and I hope to talk to a couple of people with the Orioles and show them the, the, the results of my mm-hmm. little informal thing, was that it's worth ex- – I'm not suggesting what, – what they play 13 weeks at home, so four times 13 – is 52 games Monday through Thursday, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that they automatically do all 52 games next year at a new time mm-hmm. at 610 or 640. But I think 
having 12 games at 615, 610, you know, would be interest, an interesting experiment to see if people like Maybe it. Maybe you pick a day, one day of the week, yep. and you make it a, a, Maybe a like 6 o'clock Wednesdays, game. Yeah, know. whatever the getaway. And now, of course, they want to do afternoon games for getaway days for the most part. But that would be an... I would... Look, I'm, I'm not... Like, I am in it, favor. It ain't, it ain't working, and it doesn't look... From the results of this season's attendance, it just doesn't look like it's totally a question. When they win, they'll be packed. You know, I don't think those days exist where they're automatically packed. Well, not for week weeknight games. Yeah, I agree with that. I, sure. I, I think there's a couple of different factors. There's so much that goes on with that. It's two things that jump out at me, Stan. One, the argument for moving the game time is that the nine to five is what what COVID changed. Is that for the most part there is no traditional nine to five any longer? Correct. That that those days are over because people are working from home. People never went back to the office, or they're working hybrid, or you know, bosses have understood like, hey, we can be a little bit more flexible, more flexible with the, the idea of yep. a hard nine to five. Right. So the argument in the past was, well, you needed to start the game a little bit later because you needed to give people time after getting off work at five o'clock. To maybe get some food, whatever it is they need to do, get pick up Walk the kids. Walk the dog, I got that. 100% and then get people. to the game. If 9 to 5 is no longer a thing, well then yeah, sure, you could maybe be a little bit more flexible with the idea that the priority for people is getting home at an earlier hour versus, you know, I think to the point about this maybe is something you consider a little bit more during the summer when kids can... I, I think in April, May, September, you're doing what's best for television. That's the question to me that that's, that sticks out the most because you kind of have to acknowledge it's going to be hard to drive huge crowds to a ballpark when school is going on. Right. It's just going to be difficult. There's there's kind of no way around that. Um, when kids are in school, and this is something that I deal with now, I would love to take my kids to games, but it's just very difficult to have any flexibility once school is underway. But in the summer, when you're more inclined to get young kids to the ballpark, I think there's a great argument for 6 o'clock. The problem being, it's going to be hotter. <laughs> like, that's the trade-off to that. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to be in the sun for the entirety of the game if that's the case. And as we all know, sitting on the first base side of Camden Yards when the sun is out is, is problematic. pure yeah. hell. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different factors that are involved with making that's, a decision that's like a good this. Point. Right? Like, I hadn't thought about that. I, yep. I don't. I don't have the perfect answer. To me, but to use 640, 640 is the closest, closest thing to a perfect answer yeah. because it does acknowledge, hey, you probably want to get people out a little bit earlier than, than you've been letting people get out, but it's still a stretch to try to move games up and have people sit in the sun or have to rush to get down there. My biggest reason is the one reason that nobody really wants to talk about is the fear of crime. And nobody wants to address the 8,000-pound elephant in the so, room. And I'm wondering, psychologically, mm -hmm. are people more inclined to come to the ballpark if it's, you know, they're leaving and going to the ballpark at 6? They still get out in the dark, mm -hmm. you know, at 8.30 mm -hmm. or 9 o'clock. But I, it's just a thought. So, for the sake of being devil's advocate, why is it that the crowds are massive on the weekends? Like, do, are we convinced that crime doesn't exist on the weekends? I, think, only we're, I on think we're. I think there's much more comfortability going on the nights that you know there are going to be a lot of people there. I that that, that that's the the kryptonite to crime is that there's 
the nice crowds, you're not alone walking down the street. Like there I, is, there's, there's that possibility when there's 7,000 or 9,000 people on a Tuesday night. I'll add one more thought to this entire yeah. conversation. I, I think public transportation is a bigger issue than game time right now that faces getting people to the ballpark. Um, I, I, I've taken the light rail twice in recent weeks. Uh, I went for the Tuesday night game when they caught me reading the book two weeks ago on the big screen. Um, I went to that one, took the light rail, but I got down early, met my Where'd friend. Where'd you go from? Hunt Valley? Uh, yeah, from Hunt yeah. Valley. I went, I, my, my gym is in Hunt Valley, so I, I work out, and then I hop on the light rail from there. And that was a very pleasant experience. That was I, a very quick, got in, everything worked out perfectly, but I had aimed. You don't to, use Meadow Mill as your gym anymore? I, well, unfortunately, it's not. An, I would love to, but unfortunately, Meadow Mill is right here on this table, Stan. So it's not, I would love to go to Meadow Mill. Just kidding. My favorite Just place kidding. in the world. Yeah. Um, that was very pleasant. But the time I went before that, the Saturday night game when they did the concert afterwards, the Pittsburgh game when 40,000 people were there, yeah. was the most hellish experience I've ever had. You mean on the light road? On the light road. Remember, they started that game at 5 because they were doing the concert afterwards. Yeah. I got on the light rail at 4 and didn't get to the ballpark until after 5 o'clock. Like, didn't arrive at the light rail stop. That's terrible. Because yeah. the light rail is a nightmare sometimes because it just randomly stops in the middle of track and sits there for 10 minutes and no one knows what's going on and no one tells you anything about what's going on and you start to think that maybe it's a terrorist attack or right. something like right. that. Or but the train is broken. Yeah. Whatever. And you have no earthly idea what's happening because the light rail is a nightmare as frequently as it is a pleasant experience i mean I, it's never really a pleasant experience no, well, but you know a, a decent experience it's a nightmare just as frequently so i my contention would be my first priority would be hey there's gonna be a new governor of maryland next year could we do something about the infrastructure of getting people to places could we do something about that yeah i think light rail is definitely if they improve that, I think that changes a lot, and it would it would help getting the games. I mean, what they could start the game whenever. If the light rail is like consistent and you can rely on well, that, well, we're never going I, back to the days of seven. Remember, seven thirty starts, which were like in, that, that's never coming you, back. How about if I tell you when I was a kid? Yeah. 50, 58 to 64, 65, yeah. it was 8.05 when yeah. the game started. And look, there are still national TV games sometime yeah. that they might start, and playoff games that yeah, started out of times, things like that. Yep. But but we're not going back to those days. But I, to me, that's that would be the more significant priority. But I, to your point, I'd stand by I, yeah. 6.40. That was... I couldn't believe how perfectly it worked every time. And I hosted an afternoon show in Phoenix... Mm -hmm. And 6.40 was still a perfect time for me. Now, again, what time I, did you get off? Six? Six. Yeah. And I didn't have kids then. I didn't have you know as many responsibilities as I have now. But 6.40, and I lived a little bit closer to the ballpark um, in Phoenix than I live you know, out in the middle of nowhere where I live at, at the moment. Um, but 6.40 was a wonderful time. I, I'm all for every So, so you regret having kids? Yeah, that's not what I said. Um, hang on a second. No, not at all. Not not even <laughs> one bit. But it is a lot more. Like it's funny when your it's friends, a lot more when your friends start having kids, and you're like, oh, I guess we'll never see you again. <laughs> and then you have, and you're like, oh god, it, my yeah, friends really never, never see me again. <laughs> like it really does work that way. The way that it goes. I'm not opposed to experimenting with it. I'm not yeah. opposed to you know considering maybe a day of the week that you say, hey, that's we're all gonna, I'm saying. We're gonna is, try something you know, else yeah. um, just to see how that works. I and then take focus groups and see what. You know what works for people, but um, this was an interesting 
I got way more response to this than anything I've ever put. And up. I and I do think that you have to consider your your business partners downtown. I do think that you have to think about the fact that hey, those restaurants need people to come. Yeah, you know, like that. It's not the obligation of the Orioles necessarily, but they are a partner, right? Like, they no question about they, it. But they they are not. You know, the, they're not. If there's six thousand people going to an Orioles game if, or nine thousand, get more people. Yeah. I, I hear you, but and I, maybe some come at nine. And say, hey, let's go to at, go to dinner after afterwards, after, something yeah. like that. And of course, the, the word is the Orioles do want to, as part of the the upgrades that are coming to Camden Yards, they also want to put their own kind yep. of village yep. around the ballpark yep. and maybe open some more. Re- By the way, I went to the Ravens game, which. I went to the the game on Saturday night. Right against the Commanders. Top Golf is done. Like it's ready. It's ready. I can't believe this When's is actually happening. I don't know because it's okay. been it's supposed to have been open for five years, right. but like it's there. It, the whole thing is there. It's it blew my is mind. This right over by the horseshoe. Yes, right okay. next to the horseshoe. I can't believe this thing that they've been talking about for a decade, and yes. I just it's almost become a joke. Like yeah, you know, whenever Top Golf Golf opens, we'll get around to it. It's. <laughs> There, like it's three stories. It's completely built, and if you've never been to a Top Golf before, it's just the coolest. And they hit the ball into Camden Yards. Exactly right. right. That's yeah. exactly the. You know, they were. It's something that I've encouraged them to do before. That was a thing, um, like last off season, where Top Golf partnered with a few Major League Baseball teams, right. where they created like a little like course at the ballpark. At the ballpark, where you, you would, would go, shoot the you would and- you would drive from like the upper deck. And the hole would be in the outfield or something like it'd be a little like it's very cool. I think it's a. I think it would people would mob right. to do something like Boy, that. Cedric Mullins wouldn't like. No, that, it wouldn't though. be ideal. Would not be ideal for him. Um, it, it's an interesting thought. I'm yeah. not. I think it's an interesting thought. Yeah. When we come back in, we're going to talk more about the Orioles. Ben Verlander is going to join us. I wonder what he thinks the rotation should look like next year. Maybe he's got a brother that would be interested in being a part of it. I mean, maybe he can't can't hurt to ask, right? Like he knows Mike Elias, right? Like can't hurt to ask. Uh, but we'll talk more about uh, what faces the Orioles. They try to climb their way into the playoff race. Stan the fan is here. Today's show is also brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where you are in literally the final days. This is the final weekend for the summer seasonal menu. So if you've not tried the South Carolina barbecue chicken or the lobster roll with the grilled corn or any of the delicious items they have on the summer seasonal menu, speak now or forever hold your pee. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in now. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 6th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Hey, O's fans. Enjoy Labor Day at the Yard this year with a full day of baseball, family fun, and a giveaway before the Orioles clash with the Toronto Blue Jays on Monday, September 5th at 105. Arrive early to celebrate Orioles slugger Ryan Mountcastle. Be one of the first 15,000 fans, 15 and over, and receive a Ryan Mountcastle t-shirt before catching the action-packed game. A variety of ticket options are available. Don't wait until the last minute. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan is in studio with us on a Friday morning. And we're going to talk to Ben Verlander here in just a second. Orioles Athletics this weekend leading into a doubleheader on Monday against the Blue Jays. And Stan, you know, the nice thing about winning series is that you keep yourself in the conversation. You keep yourself within distance. And particularly because it's the Blue Jays that are right in front of you, you keep yourself in a place where you can, can kind of control your own destiny. It's a lot to ask for them to win, like, every game against the Blue Jays. When we say things like that, we got to be realistic. Like, within practicality, you're asking them to win more games than they lose against the Blue Jays the rest of the way, and they have a lot of those games left. Is it 10, I believe? I think they played Toronto nine times. Nine times. Yeah. Nine times. So you're asking them to win six of the nine, which is a tough ask, right? But if you only win five of the nine, you're only making one game up right. in the process. Right. So when we say, hey, you still have everything in front of you because you have that many games in hand with the Blue Jays, you have to be practical on what it is that you're asking. You're not going to win eight of those nine games. I, I mean, I, yeah. it'd be amazing if they did, yeah. but it's just not practical to think that that's the way this thing is going to play out. So there's only so much that you can ask for them to do in the games in hand with the Blue Jays the rest of the way. You've got to be realistic about that. You know, real quick, because um, we've got Ben ready to come on. The other day, a week ago, I was saying the Yankees are going out. they got the perfect elixir for their problems. Mm-hmm. they got four in Oakland and three right. in, Cal- in L.A. And I said they, they need to go 7-0 and or 6-1 and to really get their mojo because they had four wins in a row going out there. They ended up being three and four against Oakland and the Angels. By the way, it is ten with the Blue Jays because of the doubleheader okay. on Monday. So okay. it was three three game series, but also add in the makeup game. Right. So it's ten with the Blue Jays. But again, you're asking them to go six and four in those two ten games, which makes up two games, right. right? Like that buys you two games that you're making up. You're a game and a half back right now. You're in good shape. Beyond that, pretty unrealistic. If you don't do that, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. 
All right, um, let's chat about the Orioles. Let's chat about baseball. Joining us now, Fox Sports MLB analyst, a very popular follow on Twitter. He is Mr. Ben Verlander, and he's back with us here on GCR. Ben, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Of course. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. Ben, when somebody asks you this question, uh, how have the Orioles done this? What do you possibly <laughs> say back to them? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of combination of you know, young studs coming up and, and doing exactly what everybody thought they could and a little bit of magic. And that's what's so great about baseball. I sprinkle that magic. I mean, it has been magical for certain. It has been, I think the part that to us, and it led us to a question that we were kind of really tackling earlier. The part that's insane is the starting pitching because the group is one of the most nondescript groups you'll ever see in a rotation for a competitive baseball team. And yet, I don't know, at some point we got to start talking about Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer and, Austin Voth and whether they're future parts of a competitive Orioles rotation because the evidence is starting to say, you know, they might be. Yeah. I think it speaks volumes to the guys in the rotation, to the pitching coach himself, to, you know, everybody's worked on themselves. I know Dean Kramer's kind of totally revamped a lot of things and um, it's paying off and, you know, it's, it's been an impressive, um, it's been an impressive rotation, and to say that uh, to say that now, when when heading into the year, you know, I, I don't think anybody was expecting the rotation to be as good as it is, obviously, and I don't think anybody was expecting the Orioles to be above 500 at this point in the year. But but here we are, and the obviously the young guys are, are getting a lot of the notoriety here, and the Cedric Mullins is of the world, and the rest of this offense, but you're right. The pitching rotation needs a lot of credit for what they've done, and they're keeping the team in games every single night, it, it seems. Hey, Ben, the, the mantra in when I grew up, and I'm 70 years old, but the mantra when I grew up is be strong up the middle. I don't know that that's as catchy in the analytical age, but Rutschman, Mateo, Odor, and Mullins, that's formed a pretty strong defensive unit up the middle how important can that be i still think it is uh, i still think when look if you're starting a team from scratch you want to you know the the positions that that stand out are shortstop center field starting pitcher catcher you know it, it, it is still a little bit up the middle and uh when you look at when you look at what the orioles are doing um, it, it's kind of there, you know, and it, it's just, it's worked out that way, but that's what makes you so excited for the future. I think is, is the up the middle portion for, for the Orioles and having Mullins and Adley and Gunnar Henderson and, you know, the pitchers that are there now and that are clearly still coming. I mean, the most exciting part for me is that, you know, it, it feels like, the future is now for the Orioles. You know, that's a common statement. The future is now, and, and it's not really. They still have the top-rated farm system. They still have Grayson Rodriguez and plenty of guys down in the minor leagues that, that are going to make a huge difference for this franchise going forward. So this is just a taste, it feels like. And I think, I think it's a little bit ahead of schedule, 
I don't think this was the plan was to be a playoff contender in 2022, but, but here we are. And I, I think if, if you're an Orioles fan right now, it's kind of like, Oh my God, we're in, we're in great shape for the future. And are we going to make the playoffs in 2022? Well, well, who knows, but at least it's some excitement here for a couple of months that you're able to get. And no matter what you, it's almost like you're playing with house money. You know, you're not expecting to, uh, you're not even really going to be upset if they don't. It's just providing an exciting summer for you. He is Ben Verlander. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Ben, um, I'm going to ask this question, and I know he's cooled off a little bit, but is Adley Rutschman already the best catcher in all of baseball? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good question, and I don't know if I'm quite ready to put him there yet. But what I will say is he has only been up for – However long, you know, you, you point back to when the Orioles season turned around, and that's how long he's been up for. Um, and he is already up there in terms of, you know, he's already passed many other catchers in terms of offensive production. And um, I know he's good behind the plate as well. So um, it'd be tough for me to sit here right now and say, he's, you know, Will Smith comes to mind. I think Will Smith is just an unbelievable uh, catcher and, and underrated because of the lineup that he's a part of with the Dodgers. You know, nobody talks about him in the national light because of the Mookie Betts, the Freddie Freeman, the Trey Turner, you know, all of those guys on that team. But Will Smith has been probably the best catcher in baseball for the last couple of years. And I still think he's right there. But Adley has come up and just, you know, with all of the hype around him, I think that's what makes it arguably more impressive is this guy was 1-1 in the draft. He had all the hype in the world. He has tons of pressure on him. He's supposed to start the year on the team, and then he goes down, and he doesn't he doesn't break camp with the team because he's out. And then he finally gets that call up, and, you know, the team's not very good. And then up he comes. The team turns around. He gets a hit in this first game. First game, he struggles a little bit, and it'd be easy to it'd be easy to struggle from there on. You know, as a as a rookie coming up with all that pressure, but he figured it out. He turned it around, and he has been so good. And it is so refreshing to see. And I'm obviously for an Orioles fan, but just for a fan of the game of baseball to see a huge prospect like that come up. And, and mean what Adley has to the Baltimore Orioles. It's really, really cool to see. So I'm a big fan of his and everything he's doing, and I have no doubt that very soon he will be the best catcher in baseball. But, but, uh, look, I, and I appreciate your love for Will Smith, but in all due respect, I mean, Adley Rutschman never socked Chris Rock in the face, so I'm pretty sure that gives him the, <laughs> that gives him the, the leg up, right, doesn't it, in the race to be the best no catcher in baseball? I, yeah. I think that's, that's the case. true. Yeah. I, don't, I can't verify that. I don't know Adley Rutschman's background. That's a good point, know. right? We don't – We ha- yeah. And then again, if Chris we, Rock had only been wearing brother. a catcher's ma- a mask. Yeah, he you know. would have been, yeah. been in okay right. shape. That would have been – in a better situation. Hey, Ben, I got one more for you. Uh, in the case of your brother, nobody ever had to go to him and say, hey, this starting thing isn't quite working out right. You know, we think you should transition to being a bullpen arm. You're familiar with D.L. Hall, I, I, I'm i guessing. Uh, when you look at what he's done in his career, doesn't it kind of scream relief pitcher, Andrew Miller, Josh Hader, when he was good? Yeah, you know, I think those, um, 
I think those sort of guys, the names you just mentioned, are becoming a little more popular in yep. today's age. You know, so I would, I, I agree, um, and I think there's so much value, especially once the Orioles turn this corner that for years they've been trying to reach, and it feels like they're getting close to that corner, especially once they become that team that is a force year in and year out. And when, when I say that, this team is going to be, and, and I said this, I, I believe it was on here months ago, this blueprint that the Orioles have is very similar to the Astros. If you look back to 2014, 2015, that's what that's what's starting to happen in Baltimore. You know, it's it's building from the draft. It's building from within. It's getting guys finally starting to to crack the big leagues, and then next thing you know, you add a piece here and add a piece there, and this team is elite for a long time to come. Now, the Astros have been a team for over half a decade now that have been you know, arguably the best team in the American League. And it just feels like that's what's happening with the Orioles. And and it would be nice for them to, once they're that playoff team, to have that guy that, you know, it, he's not labeled a closer, he's not labeled a starter, but he can come in in that seventh, eighth, sixth, seventh days and give you a few innings of shutdown ball like Andrew Miller was those few years uh, with, at the time, the Indians and and would just come in and dominate in the playoffs for a couple of innings and it just feels like he can be that sort of guy and I think that would be a perfect role. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring up the comparison to the Astros. Obviously, you know, it was Justin that kind of put him over the top. Um, the, the Orioles have a lot of. It's the funny thing that we we started this conversation, Ben. Like they've got a lot of pitching. Stan and I were really struggling with putting together what the rotation should look like next year because you're like, well, you don't want to leave. Cal Bradish out. You don't want to leave Austin Voth out, but like all of a sudden you Tyler look at Wells, you like know. they and John Means is back and Grayson Rodriguez. There's a ton of pitching options, but does it still feel like they could use one more? Look, we all got our hopes up about it being Carlos Rodon. I'm starting to think that Rodon is going to be outside of the price range of the Orioles. Although I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because you know I would throw a parade if it was Carlos Rodon. But does it feel like they could still use one more legitimate, already proven, top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher to kind of take this thing to the next step? Without a doubt. And that's what's needed now. You know, it's all about building a, a blueprint, laying the groundwork, and then going for it. And, you know, I, I'll use the, the closest person I have to me here and, and my brother and go back to two, two different occasions. In 2005, um, the Detroit Tigers were the worst team in baseball, lost over 100 games. And then that next year, you know, it, it was the same sort of thing. You know, the writing's on the wall. They're getting close. Um, you know, Justin, their, their number one draft pick is, is almost here, and Justin gets called up in 2006. There's a lot of excitement. They add a Pudge Rodriguez. So there were pieces that were built around him. And then next thing you know, they take off. They're actually in the World Series in 2006. And then you look at 2017, the Houston Astros. The writing was on the wall. They had all these young, exciting guys come up. Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, George Springer, all of those names that had been names in that organization for a couple of years that were the prospects that were finally performing at the big league level, aside from Jose Altuve. He had been for a while. But then – 
what do you do? It's time. We're a really good team. It's almost playoff time. Oh, let's add Justin Verlander to that. And yeah, it's kind of that feeling of, hey, we're really good. Like, this is exciting. Do We could be fine without somebody. Mm-hmm. But that's never how it works. To, to be the best, you know, could the, could the Orioles be a playoff team next year without adding a Carlos Rodon of the world? And that's just the name. I, I'm not saying it's going to be him. I think that's a, a great scenario. But just for reference, you, you know, yes, I do believe that could be the case. But are they a World Series contender? Without adding that big front line of the rotation guy, no, they're not. And I'm not saying if they add a Carlos Rodon next year, they're World Series contenders, but they're much closer. And I think that's the exciting thing here is, do you have to do it to be successful? No. But is it time to make a move like that because the team needs it and can take that next step to becoming elite? Yes. If if you're the White Sox, what do you do? Because the name I was mentioning to Glenn off air about a half hour ago, and we've both kind of looked at his numbers. Lucas Giolito is 28 years old right now. He's having a, a bad year for him. I mean, it's no question. ERA is what, five, Glenn? Over five, yes. Over five, 150 whip. And he turned down a four-year, $50 million contract and signed a $7.5 million deal this year to avoid arbitration. Is he a definite keeper for the White Sox? And might he be a guy that Chris Holt says, I can fix that guy? You know, he's an interesting situation because I I want to say that he is a keeper and that he just feels like, he just feels like he's a White Sox guy, and he yeah. loves being there. And his pitching coach there is his pitching coach from high school. You know, yeah. like there's such a connection there. Yep. Um, so I just have to believe he wants to stay there and turn it around and figure it out there. But at a certain point, and you know, I feel like everybody should know this by now. There's not a lot of loyalty in baseball <laughs> from organizations. <laughs> Um, as much as, as much as players, as much as you want to think that there's not, and it makes it very, very evident when a player struggles for a little while and there's not, there is no loyalty in baseball. That's why players should feel no obligation to take a hometown discount for a team because they feel no, that's not how this game works. Players need to get theirs while they can, because the organization has no loyalty. And unfortunately, for Lucas Giolito, who is a very, very good pitcher. Yep. He struggled for a year, and there's no nothing saying that the White Sox won't turn around and say, hey, thanks for a couple of good years, but you're not the same guy anymore. Do you, um, think, so he's, do you think he's fixable, Ben? Yes, yeah, I do. I do, too. Uh, I, I believe his stuff is very good. I believe he's shown it for, you know, and, and I, the reason I say that is because a lot of times when, when pitchers struggle, it becomes a mental thing. But for Giolito, he was a different pitcher. Uh, when he was coming up with the Nationals, he totally revamped himself and totally became a new pitcher. With And there were a lot of struggles involved there. And he has really worked on himself mentally. And I think that is going to be a huge difference. He has the stuff. Uh, he has the ability to turn it around on the mound. And now with everything he went through turning around himself as a pitcher, I think he's able to turn it around mentally as well and, and be right where he needs to. At Ben Verlander on Twitter and Instagram is where you find him. The Flippin' Bats Pod and Fox Sports. Ben, is there anything else I can plug for you, sir? Hey, oddly enough, 
literally today. The episode just released a couple of hours ago. I have Melanie Newman on today. Cool. Talk cool. Um, talking the future of the Orioles, talking a little bit about her career, but she was awesome. So, yeah, ironically enough, this lined up perfectly. I have Melanie Newman. Very yeah. cool. Ben, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. You will be invited to the parade here in a couple years. Thank you so much for doing <laughs> this. Of course. I appreciate you for having me, as always. Ben Verlander, Fox Sports, checking in with us on GCR. Good guest. Yeah, he's, you get he's good guess. We try. We do our best. We do our best around these parts to try to get some guys. The Giolito thing is interesting to me, Stan. And and as you pointed out, the strikeout numbers are still very good. Um, but he's getting rocked. I mean, he's getting rocked, and he's just he's got a, a one one five whip, which it's is just, it's just interesting that he. Uh, you know, when I went to look and saw what he was yeah. making, and then I saw a story that he turned down a four year, fifty million dollar contract. Do you think the White Sox are coming back to him and saying, "Hey, we want to give you, we want to give you four at sixty-five or 70. To me, the I, the big difference is Rodon's in the in the thirty million dollar per year range. I think you could sign Giolito in the fourteen to sixteen range for a three-year deal or a four-year deal What's, now. You know what's funny, Stan, is I have heard from people in baseball that the thought would be. That Rodon is actually crazier than even a de- like that signing an older pitcher right. is more practical because you're looking at a shorter term contract. If the Orioles are going to give out real money, yeah, if they, they were can't ever get a do this. seven year deal with for a pitcher, right? You know, it's got to be three but or four years. If it was again, I know I'm I'm you, Clayton Kershaw, and it was just a yeah, you know, hey, let's do this for two years and sixty million dollars, right? That while that's still more money than the Orioles have ever spent on anything, yep, it's only sixty million dollars. It's not a hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars that you're on the hook for. Yeah. So I have had people tell me I think that's actually less crazy. The thought of it being one of those guys. Now I don't see any world in which it's Clayton Kershaw. I just don't. No, I don't see. I that don't either. in in any world. But I get the thought of wanting it to be something more short short term. Rodon is, I'm trying to remember, he's 28. And that's the same age I'm trying to, that I'm Rodon trying to, is. I'm yeah. trying to, no, um, that's what I'm, is that, that's how old is he? Oh, wait a minute. I'm I trying know. to double check on that. I know he's, uh, he might be, maybe he's 30 I don't at this think point. he's older than that. He's 29. He's 29, yeah, 29. But he'll be 30 in December. Okay. So, you know. What would scare me more about him is durability factor. This guy had a major shoulder surgery. He has come back. Uh, he had a fantastic first half of tw- of 2021 mm-hmm. with the White Sox, but faded down the stretch. And this year, he's had a, a terrific season with the Giants. No, oh, he's been phenomenal. He's been yeah. spectacular this season. There's but no I don't think the it. Giants. They're a very smart organization. I don't think they're going to step up and offer this guy five years or something like that. The Dodgers could. You know, depending upon the severity of Walker Bueller's injury, mm-hmm. you know, and and all that. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, boy, they 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 don't mind having more and more and more and more and more and more and more pitching. That's all they ever have is more. God, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. A little bit jealous about that. All right. Uh, when we come back in, we're gonna get a tub- tidbit. We're gonna get tubit or wind things down. If you missed weekend at bookies yesterday, you can find it right now. Facebook.com/slash pressboxsports. 
YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. I promise you it's not the show you were watching today. That's not Weekend at Bookies. I actually was able to get that fixed on the back end. Oh, we did so get it fixed. I, yeah, I had to go and do it in a very weird way, but uh, we got that fixed. So you see that it's the show that you thought you were watching that you're watching. But you can still find Weekend at Bookies to try to get you ready for a weekend in betting. By the way, Brad Cronthal yesterday went two for two with his MLB bets that he offered us. So interesting to file that away uh what when's the first leg of you uh, the Gri- griffin's Gratuitous uh, last group? night hits uh we had tennessee over ball state and they won by 49 we only very needed nice. to win by 36 and very nice so you're one by one, seven touchdowns one for one you got three more legs on griffin's yeah, we got grouping. duke against temple tonight and and you want me to pretend like i'm rooting for duke which i'm, I'm not going i will never those days will never just come. root against temple because mm. how was our swagger bet last week um With another loser when we come back in <laughs> Nothing else I can say about that. Tidbit and tubular. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 6th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle, take it away, boys. Back in here on GCR, Stan the Fan is here. Uh, Griffin, I, I have not, I meant to send you this earlier. Hang on a second. Uh, check your email because I'm going to have okay. you play this clip here in one second. The Jets have been doing some TV show thing. Uh, you know, a, a, sort of like the, the Joe H- Flacco show? No, it, well, yeah, I mean, basically. But it's it's their own in, in-house version of Hard Knocks that right. they've been doing on their website or whoever their media partners are. And, of course, it's featured a lot of Joe Flacco um, this preseason because he's, at at the moment, the number one quarterback until Zach Wilson were to return. And a lot of people would argue he should still be the number one quarterback after that point. The, the number of people in my life that are terrified that Joe Flacco is going to kick the Ravens' asses next week. Right. Like, the number of people that I just come across casually and they'll be like, Dude, are you worried about what Flacco's going to do to the Ravens in week one? I'm like, I'm really not. i got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, not worried, I'm worried about what, what Adolfo Owe is going to do to Joe Flacco. I That's mean, what I'm worried I, about. I, you know, I'd like to... Lay it down gently. I don't say that like with a cocky attitude that he's not no, going to do I, anything. I think he's still a service, probably right. a serviceable quarterback. I, I just, Joe Flacco does not strike uh, fear think, into yeah. me at this point, and neither do the Jets on the whole, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I like Brees Hall. I think he's talented uh, back, and I think he's somebody that – you know, if he was in a different situation, here's here's a giveaway. I drafted him in our draft last night, which is something I wouldn't do in a real draft because he plays for the Jets. If he played at another place, I might draft Brees Hall fairly early. I like him. I think he's a real talent, but I don't like the Jets. I just can't get around on that. Um, but there was a really wonderful moment from whatever this, this in-house Jets show is that involves Joe Flacco talking about uh, facing criticism, and perhaps from a very unique place. Let me. Uh, you should listen to this. So, so what? I apologize. What you missed is that was from his son. His son was the one saying, "Hey, Dad, you stink." Like that, his son now echoes the sentiments of others when he has. How old is his son? That's a great. I I mean, like twelve. So I remember the night. The night of. The 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 fateful he told me he was the best quarterback in football thing. The night we did that event, Dana was pregnant with their with his son. So that would have been, been before the suit. That was the summer before the Super Bowl. So that would have been the summer of twelve. So ten years old, ten ten year around ten. I guess son was born during the season. Right. So around or about to be right. ten years old. 
So um, yeah, he's Joe's got that room rolling. He was he was killing it's it. It's so you know the funny thing, and I've said this a million times about Joe. I got of course gold from Joe during the times that he did shows with me over the years. Not only the you know the I'm the best. I don't think I'm a. Remember the setup for that was uh, his agent Joe Linta had said to Mike Preston or somebody the day before. Well, Joe needs to be paid like a top five quarterback in the NFL because Joe's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And so I set up the question by saying, Hey Joe, you know your agent said. He thinks you're a top five quarterback in the NFL. Do, do you feel the same way? Which I did, knowing exactly what I was going to get out of that, which was, I don't think I'm a top five quarterback. I think I'm the best quarterback, which got us, obviously, a month's worth of traction. And then when the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl, everybody revisited it, and right. it was great for us. But people forgot a year before that, he got us viral again because we were we were out doing a show with Brendan I and Bedejo one night, and he came out to do it with him. And I don't know how it, he brought up how much SportsCenter was obsessed with Tim Tebow. Like, he, I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. Like, we're in the middle of a conversation. He was like, you know what bugs me? And I was like, by, all, good stuff. by all means, bro, let's go. He was like, we wanted the game on Sunday, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you happen to turn on SportsCenter on Sunday night? I'm like, I, I didn't. He was like... Oh, good thing you wouldn't have found any highlights of us winning the game because all they were doing was talking about, about Tim, Tim Tebow, Tebow, Tim Tebow this, Tim Tebow that. And he was just ranting, just going off. And it went – so when everybody talked about how boring Joe Flacco was, I was like yeah, – Not to me. Dude, I – like I had – Bring it, bring on that boredom. Gold from yeah. Joe – his own father labeled him as painfully dull. Like in a fame <laughs> – right before the Super Bowl – Somebody did a big profile of the Flacco's, and he was like, well, the thing about Joe is he's painfully dull. And I'm like, not the guy that I've been around. That guy's great, and you've seen a little bit more of it. Um, the stories of uh, him and Terrell Suggs, and, and this was something that we knew in Baltimore for years. Terrell Suggs would, if Joe had a good game, would go hang up like a picture of a naked woman in his locker room. <laughs> if Joe stunk, he would go hang up a picture of a naked man uh. in Joe's locker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like Suggs would do this type of stuff, and you know people are hearing these stories now and talking about it. It's getting a lot of traction. Uh, Joe Flacco has has proven some gold for the New York media. I'm glad they gave him Johnny Unitas's number. I mean, yeah, it's a great point. He, a, I think he wears it well. I think I think he wears. It's number 19 that he is wearing now in New York. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, saw this one the other day from uh, Michael Mayer on uh, Twitter after Jacob deGrom's, uh, uh, another great Jacob deGrom start. Uh, So he sent a tweet uh, of pitchers with the most consecutive starts in Major League Baseball history allowing fewer than four runs and fewer than eight hits. And that list, number one, Rich Hill, with 59 of those from uh, May 2019 to uh, May of this year. Oh. And then number two on that list is uh, with 56 consecutive uh, starts of fewer than four runs allowed. Uh, oh, yeah, allowing four runs and fewer than eight hits. DeGrom starting in May of 2019 as well and active. So he is currently on that streak and... With three more, look, man. If he wants to come to Baltimore, I guess we'll take him. <laughs> like I, I Jacob guess I'd be yeah. willing to find room for him. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be tough. We've got Austin Voth. I mean, we've got <laughs> Tyler Wells has got to get his spot back. Like I, I don't know. 
I'd let him compete for a spot, is what I would say. Let's you know, just send him down to, to Sarasota. And I'm glad you have an open mind. Don't be too worried uh, about the durability factor. Oh, he'd be worried about <laughs> his durability. That he wouldn't be available in 2027. That's a great point. Uh, this one was from Rockabato uh, last night. Kyle Bradish is the first starter in Orioles history with consecutive outings of seven or more scoreless innings in two hits or fewer. First <laughs> Orioles pitcher to ever do that. God, I, that's amazing. Isn't it incredible? That is I, for, for what it's worth, I actually am stunned that Jim Palmer never did that. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, uh, the innings yeah. certainly weren't the problem for Jim Palmer. Kurt, he could probably still go seven innings at this point in his life. Jesus, <laughs> that's nuts. Um, and then finally, uh, I think Stan will like this one. Jesus Aguilar, he is the first Oriole to ever wear yeah. number 99. But that make, this one makes sense, <laughs> Albert right? Albert wore 88. Yeah, Albert wore 88. But the Aguilar thing, he's definitely a rent-don't-buy. Yeah. So you're good with him wearing 99, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the guys that we yeah. think are going to be around a little bit longer that you want wearing. Well, and also he's he's like sort of I'm, I won't call him a star at any point in his career, no. but he's had a couple. He's he's solidified his place in Major League Baseball. You know, I didn't have a problem with Brandon Phillips. Uh, Brett Phillips wearing 66. Uh, I had a problem it's, with Brett Phillips. We yeah. could have just stopped it. We could have ended the sentence. I thought it was funny. Well, it said like Phillips 66 on his jersey, which was. I, oh, I like that. Uh, I can't good. believe I never thought of I never that. Thought that's of definitely that got to be the reason. He right? probably asked for that. I never yeah, thought that's pretty about that. That's great. <laughs> it requires me spending time thinking about Brett Phillips, yeah. though. I, by the way, it seems like the nicest guy in the world. I just, come on, what are we doing here? They gave Gunnar Henderson number two, so I'm sure you loved that, Stan. You right. okay with him wearing number two? I Prefer it be nine or ten, but two is fine. Why? Two. Why? Why? Ten over two? Why? There's first of all, the Orioles have never had a memorable number two. Now you could say, well, J. J. that's Hardy, all the yeah. more reason he's going to be memorable. Who? JJ who? Hardy. JJ Hardy was a fairly memorable. Yeah. I'm not okay. trying to compare yeah, him to Jay, the all-time nah, okay. greats, but he was a fairly. I just think for the power package that he is mm. normally, and it's really funny when I was a kid. My favorite player on the Washington Senators, where I was born, was Roy Seavers, and Roy wore number two. And whenever you watch the movie Damn Yankees, Mm -hmm. and they cut to the films of Joe Hardy playing ball, they use Roy Seavers. I don't know that. It's all all real footage of Roy Seavers. I don't know that. So anyway, I liked a number that looks like it's a little larger to me, nine or ten. Okay. 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 Look, it's my Fascin- thing. It's fascinating. It's, it's my thing. It's fa- okay. I, look, I'm actually with you on the not wanting the spring training numbers. Thing. Yeah. I'm in favor of, for the real players. I don't want them wearing spring training I mean, numbers. Grayson Rodriguez, when he comes, yeah, he, needs to he wear- will be 30. Yes. There's no question Correct. he's going to be number 30. Okay, finally to the trivia. Uh, we big Austin Vos show today. Wait, wait, wait. Col- Colson's got to wants to get a word in. What, what do you want? Oh, yeah, well, we'll talk. But that's not, we're not doing the photo shoot today. He's just scouting uh, today. Just that's all. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Of course, those that don't know, Stan and I are going to be appearing in the um, the Boys of Hamden calendar. Nude, nude, fully right? nude, uh, fully full nude. frontal, the whole thing. Actually, nude, but like you won't see anything. Um, well, there's very little to see. Now. Jeez. Sadly, sadly, <laughs> is that how that works when you get older? Oh God, yes, <laughs> goes it goes away. Yes, it oh, does, that's terrible man. news. <laughs> that is terrible news. Um, use it use it wisely so, now. So Chris Chris Comfort, the calendar is benefiting the uh, Hamden Family Center. So we are happy to be a part of that. We uh, again, it's not benefiting the Grand Poopa Fund. No, it just hasn't worked out for you, unfortunately. Okay. No, it's benefiting the Hamden Family Center. And Chris Comfort is the photographer, and he's just coming in to scout how he's going to shoot these photos of Stan and I in the buff, which um, is a real thing that's really happening. I reminded my wife that I was doing this, and she was like, 
are you sure? <laughs> I said, what are you trying to say? You've seen me naked a lot. She's like, well, normally I turn the lights off. <laughs> it's like. Nice to get that supported. Yeah, right? It's like, wait a second. If you don't want to see me naked, we got a real problem here because that means the grand total of people that do is zero. <laughs> I always thought it was one, but it turns out zero. Go ahead. Okay, so with that, uh, Austin Voth, since he began starting games for the Orioles on June 19th, he has he has a 4-2 record with an ERA of 2-5-6. He struck out 48 batters, uh, and he's pitched in uh, 56 so, in a third it's innings. so insane. And it's that just... ERA, in that time frame, uh, with uh, at least 50 innings pitched, uh, he is 15th in all of baseball with <laughs> a, with a ERA. With that ERA of two five six. What the hell? Um, and so in that span, I want to see if you how many of the top eight guys in ER in terms of ERA you can name. Glenn how many innings? Fifty innings. They fifty innings. innings. Obviously, Justin Verlander. Justin will be Verlander is right. number one one yeah. two nine ERA. Right. And Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw not on there. I think because uh, he's been in the IL for. A, a little bit in that span, but, wasn't it? But he? the number was how many innings? 50, 50 innings. 50, 50 innings. He's pitched 50, 50 innings. In that sp- in, from June 19th to oh, now. From, oh, 19th. from June 19th. Sorry. I'm yes. sorry. Okay. I'm still going to guess Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara. Or Alcantara, sorry. Not in the top 15. He only only 258. He's right behind Austin Voth. Austin Voth is better than Sandy Alcantara. I want to get that. Uh, is Jacob DeGrom, as he pitched, he hasn't no, pitched 50 yet. innings yet. Not yet. What about McClan- How about Max Scherzer? Max Scherzer has. He is number five, 210 ERA. What since. about McClanahan? McClanahan is not in the top 15. Not since he is also 19. right behind Austin Voth, 261 ERA. He just got, he uh, just got hurt, obviously. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, think more Cy Young candidates. Ty- Tyler Anderson? Tyler Anderson, not in the top eight here. How about Manoa? Not in the no. top eight here. I'm not knowing that. Urias. Yes, Julio Urias. Two Dylan, oh, Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease is number two, 171 ERA. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, but he got his ass kicked by the Orioles. That's right. He got his ass kicked by Austin Voth. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's right. He did get his ass kicked by Austin Voth. Um, Austin Voth. Yeah, Austin Voth. Well, the Sunday Sunday when Verlander got pulled early, and then uh, but he was he. I mean, how, he outpitched Verlander technically. How about Nola or Wheeler on the Phillies? Uh, no, they're, they're not. Is, wait, is there a Phillies? No, there's no Phillies pitcher. Okay. But no, neither of them are on. How there. about uh, 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 Ranger are, Suarez is high, but not any of the Guardians pitchers. No. Wow. One wow. surprising guy from uh, an a NL Central team. And then uh, an NL East and another AL East pitcher. Uh, we got we, we got we to drive in. And Babe Ruth himself. We got to drive in on this. Oh, Sho- Shohei Otani. Yeah, Shohei Otani, two one three. He is top seven. I guess we should have probably guessed Shohei Otani. I hear he's good. You just want me to start he's, giving he's him to pretty, Tampa, yeah. Tampa Bay. Drew Rasmussen is number three, one nine nine. was the one to get since June nineteenth. Yeah. yeah. Justin Steele. From the Cubbies, Cubs. I, I don't even I don't know who that is. He was the one I think that pitched against the. No, that wasn't that was Samson. No, yeah, but Steele, uh, yeah, Steele's been having a really good it's season. Not Mitch White of the Toronto Blue Jays. No, is it? no. Max Freed is number eight. Oh, okay, number eight, okay. two twenty okay. ERA, and then uh, right behind him is Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks. They've been having very good seasons yes. for uh, a bad team. Again, yes, not familiar with the. Uh, I haven't watched the Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen is very good. Merrill Kelly was seven shutout yeah, innings. Yesterday. Kelly's very good yeah. too. All right, uh, here's what's coming up. Totally Tubular-wise, this weekend, Totally Tubular is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, where you can watch and bet on all of these events this weekend. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. They're expecting big crowds tomorrow for week one of college football season, so you want to reserve your 
Table want to reserve your reclining chairs. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Here's what's coming up. Uh, Orioles Athletics this weekend in Baltimore. Tonight, Masson 2 for J.P. Sears and Dean Kramer at 7. Tomorrow on Masson at 7. The Athletics have not announced any more starting pitchers for the weekend, but Austin Voth goes tomorrow for the Birds. Sunday at 1.30 on Masson 2. It's Spencer Watkins on the hill for the Orioles. College foot, yes. I've got Cole Irvin versus Watkins on I, Sunday. I believe you, but they have not made it official. Okay. I, I don't know if somebody else just reported it. And I, I look at ESPN schedule okay. and the starting pitchers. Nah, still not. Still The athletics is still not. But okay. I, I believe you. Okay. I believe you wholeheartedly. Okay. Um, college football tomorrow, as we mentioned, Buffalo, Maryland at noon on Big Ten Network. Delaware Navy at noon on CBS Sports Network. Towson's at Bucknell tomorrow night at 6 on ESPN+. Plus. Morgan's at Georgia Southern tomorrow night at 6, ESPN 3. Uh, big games, of course, tomorrow. Notre Dame, Ohio State, 7.30 on ABC. Um, ESPN's got the Utah-Florida game tomorrow night at 7, and the Cincinnati-Arkansas game tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. And what's the other big one? Remind me. Oh, God, it's the uh, Georgia-Oregon. Georgia-Oregon is wow, the other big game. Yeah, it's matchup. It's a lot of big games this weekend. It's a weekend full of big games. Georgia-Oregon's at uh, 3.30 on ABC. Um, uh, the Maryland Cycling Classic, you can watch the broadcast Sunday at 1.30 on uh, Channel 54. Is going to air the Maryland Cycle- Cycling Classic on Sunday. The U.S. Open, Serena Williams, as I mentioned tonight, on ESPN. Against Playing singles. Um, Alia, yeah, she's out of doubles now. Alia Tomlanovich uh, tonight. That's a tough matchup. I don't. Most people don't know her, but she was actually playing better than Annette Kontavite was coming into this tournament. So what time's that one? Seven o'clock tonight. First on Arthur Ashe on ESPN. Non-sports highlights. Non-sports. The big highlight is uh, Amazon Prime tonight. I believe they're doing it at 9 p.m. is when it debuts. The Lord of the Rings show. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Sure it is. Is what uh, premieres tonight on Amazon Prime for the big Lord of the Rings I believe, fans. I believe you. And then on Peacock, there's this movie called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Oh, that Sterling actually does look really good. Yeah, it's like kind of like documentary style. Yeah. And he's like a disgraced pastor or yes. something. Yes. And he's like trying to clear his It's name. supposed to be like yeah. a parody. It's it's very, it looks funny. It looks funny. And it's, uh, it's Sterling Brown. Is it Re- Regina? Yes, Regina Hall. Regina Hall, yeah. Regina Hall, yeah. It looks, yeah, it looks funny. funny. Um, new Netflix, on well, Netflix, a show called Fakes about like the people making fake IDs. And then there's a new other series called Devil in Ohio. I think they should have just called it Devil is Ohio. Um, but this movie, this, this show is just your classic case of, uh, you let a cult escapee shelter at your home and now your whole family's haunted. That's the premise of the show. Um, devil in Ohio. And okay. then it's Friday. So of course, new dating reality show. Yeah, I'm good. All right, this thanks. one's called dated and related. Sure. Oh, I don't know what that means, but I know I don't like the idea. That sounds really bad. They're, yeah, they're that, like, there's <laughs> nothing good that can come from that. There. Do you want to explain it? No, or no? I don't want okay. you to. I dated want you and to related. I want you to leave it alone altogether. I don't even. Want I'm to think interested. About it. No, 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 you're not. It is, w- it is the Glenn Clark radio I, I, show. I won't watch the Lord of the Rings. I went and saw the first movie in theaters when I was 18 years old, and it was three hours of of them walking. It was they just walked for three hours, and at the yeah, end, it's the fellowship. At dude. the end, the the little guy says to the fat guy, "Hey, buddy, glad to have you along." And I was like, it's, "That's it." <laughs> Three hours for this? So never watch another one. Never, never, ever, never. Wow. Will. I mean, I'm not a goes. huge Lord of the Rings guy Stop either, it. but Stop I, it. it was a waste of my three hours. I could have gone. It's a cool universe. Stop it. I'm glad they're expanding it. Stand the fan at Stand the fan on Twitter. Uh, power rankings. I'm assigning you the uh, column about uh, the Orioles rotation, trying I to solve will that. Work on it. I will work on it. No guest with Ross Grimsley. You're taking this Monday week. off. We're taking Monday off, and uh, we'll 
Gary and I are working on some things for next Thursday. Good to see you, sir. Appreciate good you stopping you. in. Uh, good to meet uh, Mike of the Mike slash Ernest Goes to Work. We're figuring it out. We're, sh- we're showcasing. We're just workshopping it. We'll get there. We'll have one by next week for our uh, new intern this fall. Thanks today to uh, Ben Verlander. Thanks also to Anthony Heron and to Bo Smoker. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the <coughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. We will also be off on Monday, although uh, Reed and I will be on the fan on Monday afternoon from 3 to 6.30. And uh, then we will be back on Tuesday to get uh, ready for a season of football starting next week. Tomorrow morning, the bat around with Paul and Zach from 10 to noon. Stan will be a part of that as well. Make sure you are tuned in. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Great Ace Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Grill, Guilford Brewery Hall, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go all the local football teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.